Hello and welcome to WCW vs. NWO podcast. The podcast that analyzes, dissects, and shouts through a megaphone at one of the most important eras in wrestling history. I'm your host Dave, and today we'll be looking at Spring Stampede 1998. My megaphone would be useless unless I have some people to shout at. Firstly, Fergus Looney, how are you doing, Fergus? This pay-per-view is the first real pay-per-view, I have to say, where I miss Dusty. There's something about ridiculous objects, ludicrous set, and silly stipulations that really calls to me that we needed Dusty Rhodes to get us through. And I'm pretty good, yeah. It was the perfect pay-per-view for him. Uh, unfortunately, no Dusty, but we do have Connor O'Donnell. How are you doing, Connor? Doing okay. I, I also miss Dusty, and what's going to be even more infuriating to you, Gus, is... He was nowhere to be found on any Nitro or Thunder over the past month. Come on. There, there was a tidbit. There's a tidbit in the show where they, they hint at him. But that's that's about as much as you get of him. Because I think Mean Gene's referencing was to do with Dusty. Just a waste of a turn. And yeah. that's something we're going to just have to get used to going forward. Yep. <laughs> Remember when Tony sold it like a relative had died? Are those are those kids playing with each other? Probably. <laughs> Who will Cody play with now? <laughs> yeah, but inconsistencies, a lot of things happening on the Nitros. This is an episode where we're going to have to delve a little bit into what happened in the Nitros. We're going to have to pick your brain, Connor, because this is an, a, an important era in our timeline. This is the end of the 83 weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. So much has happened, too. This, this is just like 98 in a nutshell, where just so much wrestling just gets crammed in week to week. And I mean, you got to remember, like, all those mem- like memories we have of like Austin with like different vehicles, like those happened like week after week after week. Like th- this wasn't like spread out over months or anything. Like this yeah. is just this was just how wrestling was at the time, and it sure took its toll on the fans. I think. Yeah, to, to give our listeners uh, uh, that aren't that familiar with the terminology, a bit of a catch up here. The eighty-three weeks refer to the eighty-three weeks in which. Uh, WCW uh, Nitro beat Raw in the ratings consistently, consecutive weeks. And once they lose that lead, I don't think they ever regain it once, right? Uh, they do, but it's just like here and there because they spike it because they just give away main event matches on <laughs> Nitro. And that's we're going to be talking plenty about that. because And I, I want to preface this too, like just because they lost the ratings war, like I think the show has gotten better. I mean, it might just be more... Not not more ridiculous because it's kind of like the same old same old thing. But I, I just think they've gotten better at the three hour format of Nitro and dealing with Thunder as well. Now now they've like they've kind of done it for a little bit. They've they've just learned to pace themselves a little bit, but they also have just learned to kind of give everybody a storyline too. And they've been weaving in and out all their different characters. It's just a nice balance of all the acts, and that that includes Goldberg. Like Goldberg's this thing like Kevin Sullivan refers to it like as a circus. Like we have our our big beef guy over here and he's going to give you what you want over here. But then you have your stars, you have your mid card guys. Like it's, it's a really cool balance of like the show every week. It's funny that you say that because I mean, we'll get into the pay-per-view really, but it doesn't feel like that's how they're going about it. Just when you watch the pay-per-views in isolation, like it doesn't seem to have consistency. Now, maybe it's just because like you say, so much is happening each week that they're accelerating and burning through storylines so much faster than they used to be. So you don't really get the month to month progression that you think you're getting. Yeah. I was, I was merely talking about this month, not previous sure. months. It yeah. is clearly <laughs> different this month. 
that that's fair. It, 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 it's really interesting if they if they dropped after they improve because I, I think I've said this multiple times, but I thought the drop was way later in storylines. So I didn't think the drop was like I didn't think the eighty three weeks ended when Brett got here. I didn't think the eighty three weeks ended while Goldberg was still peaking. Like Goldberg's doing really his fan reactions are insane and they're doing a really good job with him in that regard. So I didn't know it was now. I thought it was when there was way more nonsense going on by kind of the the stuff I've seen in documentaries and interviews, like God not that there isn't ridiculous things that we're gonna delve into, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> that just goes to show you just how big Austin was at this time. Yeah. Like he is he was the biggest hot hottest act and probably ever. And they have they have the best feud ever. It's no knock on WCW. I think that's what I'm just trying to get across that. Yeah. WCW is actually not doing anything wrong. It's just they ran into the best feud of all time. So it's actually kind of bad luck on their on their part. Yeah. I mean, they had their good luck in that they hit big with the NWO. Uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. they had their peak and now they're in a bit of a valley and it's just to see how they react to it. I mean, we all know the answer to that, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it stands to reason that WWF would have had something eventually they would have had some form of answer, but I mean, I don't think they ever would have realized that they were going to get two generational superstars in the course of a year that would change everything. So Mick no, Foley one of them twice, isn't Mick Foley. Mick yeah, Foley I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. It's not Mick Foley. <laughs> uh, so it's Cactus Jack and Dude Love. <laughs> so Connor, you touched on, and this is something I did know, that they're giving away a lot of like, pay-per-view quality matches on nitros now and you've noticed a ramp up of that recently well yeah in particular just out of nowhere ddp fights sting for the world title <laughs> not advertised not announced like a w- fans you have to tune in next week for this great match no it's just hey title match is coming up next ddp sting your hottest baby face against your previously hot hottest baby face and it's one of the better Nitro matches in history. I actually knew of this match. I've seen the, the gif of the ending plenty of times. I just I just assumed this was like way later in the timeline. And I just figured it was not a title match. But they just lumped it in in the middle of a Nitro. It is just baffling. And like I would legit pay money to see this match. Like when it when they when I heard it was coming up next, like when I was watching on the network, I was like, oh, really? I'm, like, I'm tuning in. This is great. I would have guessed a year from now. If you, if you had polled me on random Nitro main events, I would have probably said 99 for this. This is ridiculously soon. And DDP, while we've said he should be in the main event, very much still seems like a, like an upper mid-card guy to me. They really haven't given him that push. I, I know his uh, his uh, savage win, like kind of winning that feud or like doing well in that feud was supposed to be it, but he's just been bouncing around with Raven and Chris Benoit since. Like, why, why is he getting a random title shot? Yeah, like he, I'm assuming that there is no previous connection to him and Sting. They just kind of go, yeah, mm. sure, why not? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, perfect. And I know like Goldberg versus Hogan is always like the point of contention with WCW giving away marquee, marquee pay-per-view matchups on TV. But I, I don't know why this match doesn't get mentioned in the conversation. It's a big match. It's a great match. If you want to just watch a match just like by itself, it's really enjoyable. Like the crowd is hot. Like, it's really fun to watch. Good finish. Sting is kind of like passing the torch to DDP at the end as well. It's a really good step up of like what's to come for DDP, kind of. Just watching this right now, it makes more infuriating of what happens later. So it, it, it's going to be fun to uh, talk about that as we go. You, you know what infuriates me a bit about 
these kind of timelines. And it's ha- it happens in wrestling companies a lot at these times. And, and in fact, it still happens. DDP, while not being young, is clearly like a future star for them, right? Like you can tell, you could tell that from the start of our li- uh, like our timeline. Not only now, and there's so many quote unquote passing the torch moments, but then they just never give him. Like I know they do eventually, but they just never give him the title. Give me that torch back. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> Macho gives him the torch, but what about the next match? Oh, he's gonna pin you, but good. But but you you gave me the torch. Doesn't that mean you want me to run with the company? No, no, no. It's to pat ourselves on the back for not burying you. You don't get and, it. And I I say passing the torch. I mean Sting won the match, but like he. <laughs> but after the but after the match, Sting commended him on a good match and a good victory. So you can kind of tell. Yeah, they, yeah. No, this guy's legit. And DDP doesn't need to win everything, but you'd imagine after he wins the Savage Feud or gets a win in the Savage Feud or loses the Sting, that's supposed to propel him into the main event. But then they just put him with some other mid-carders again. Like, oh, yeah, he's Uh, he's been... Sort of. By by the summertime, DDP is in the main event, if you want to call that, with Dennis Rodman and Jay Leno (laughs) and stuff. So (laughs) we'll we'll see how those main event matches uh, pan out. Pan out, yeah. And that's just one of the matches. I mean, there's there's two Nash versus Sting matches. When I told you guys about all the matches, it's one thing that was very apparent with WCW right now is all the belts are constantly being defended on TV, which is I think is great. It's getting all their champions over, you know, besides the tag team titles. That's those are nowhere to be found with Hall just uh, gone from TV. I'm pretty sure there are no tag team titles. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're talking nonsense now, Connor. I am. I'll I'll cut that out. And to be fair, they don't ever bring the belts with them anywhere, so you could be right. <laughs> I, I constantly have to look up like who are the chim- who are the champions. All right, all right. Uh, they should have the free bird rule. This is ridiculous. There is no power struggle. There is no hostile takeover. Simply because Macho Man never was part of the plan, brother. I'm gonna predict the future for you. This pay-per-view is built a lot around what's happening on these Nitros, and that's the kind of breaking up the kind of the cracks in the foundation of the NWO. We saw that last episode with uh, Macho versus Hogan, but the open vignette is all about this. It's uh, Nash is involved. Who can Hogan trust? Macho's planting the seeds of dissent, saying everyone wants to just attack Hogan, and he wants to win the title tonight so he can kind of rule over the NWO, be the top dog. Nash tells uh, Hogan that he wouldn't shoot him in the back. He'd shoot him straight in between the eyes if he was going to betray him, being the kind of... Nash is coming off very much as kind of the badass of this situation. And uh, you were saying, Connor, on the Nitros, that uh, Conan is one of the first to show proper dissent and kind of choose sides that aren't Hogan's. Yep. 
So the whole pay-per-view kind of being built around this. And uh, yeah, we, we were wishing this was going to come for a while. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, what's to come with this to an extent that it does get ridiculous. It does feel like a lot of other acts are getting kind of brushed to the side. Does it feel like that even though the Nitros are three hours? Is, it, is the NWO just completely the entire episode of the Nitros? I would say that's a fair assessment. It's pretty much Nash, Savage. Hogan, all the, all the other members are just kind of brushed to the side. It's kind of funny that this storyline finally materialized after being like, this happened like the night after Star Cave when this like kind of feud started. Then NWO like denied it for months and months and months and months. So it's kind of annoying that it took them this long. And it's compared to like how they kind of like slowly progressed the Sting storyline. This was just like, we, we put the brakes on the storyline. And then all of a sudden this month, like boom, like everything happens, which is kind of infuriating, I think. Yeah, maybe shows a bit running out of steam, not knowing what directions to go in, so having to change it up. There's also the the actual backstage pol- politicking that could be right. Well, accelerating yeah. this. Yeah, we brought it up on last episode. A lot's going on backstage, whether with injuries. I'll go with let you guys know who's injured after we talk about them. And then we have the flare incident, and then we have the six firing. So backstage, yeah, things are really on eggshells right now, even though the product is doing well guys aren't too happy and i think that's why kind of nash he does a couple shoot comments and a lot of promos to hogan and that has that's a lot to do with his buddy my boy xbox getting fired so it's there's a lot going on right now the show opens talking about this storyline claiming that uh again that reiterating that macho is claiming that there's like everyone's secretly hating hogan no one's secret about the hatred of hogan but let's get past that and uh tony has breaking news to begin, that Savage is getting his cast off. He is going to fight in the main event tonight, so that was in doubt. And it's no DQ. I don't think those two things relate to each other much, but, but that, that is both facts about our main event tonight, which is Macho against Sting. Bobby says that there's spring in the air, but he smells fear from the NWO. It's actually quite a good line. I think Bobby's on fire in this pay-per-view. I have a, a lot of his one-liners noted. Bobby's pretty good. Tony's, I think, just flat a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't particularly like uh, Tony or Tanae most of the evening. Got to do props to WCW for top-notch booking there. Like, the main event of your pay-per-view may not happen, but you won't find out until you pay for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this seems like something that could have been announced on the go-home Nitro, right? (laughs) You better buy tickets. The match is going ahead. (laughs) Well, yeah, we we should probably explain that uh, Macho Man, he got run over. So, yeah, WCW, they did it first. He got. They did the wrestler got run over angle. I'm not going to explain it if the pay per view doesn't bother to explain it, Connor. <laughs> it, it, yeah, uh, that's it's. There's really not that much to to add to it. Heavily insinuated that Hogan ran him over. Hogan had enough of Macho's antics, and that's pretty much it. We should play a game from the podcast. I think from now on, and it's anytime we say something about the Hogan Macho relationship, a true or false segment. Do we think this happened in kayfabe or out of kayfabe? The match being no DQ, that has to be both. Because once I heard that, I'm like, oh, Hogan's involved in some way. (laughs) (laughs) Although it it is kind of shitty. Like, Macho Man, like, this makes sense for him. Because, like, he prefers the match to be no DQ. Because, obviously, Hogan is going to, like, interfere. Because he's been meddling in his matches the previous weeks on Nitro. Yeah. For Sting, no upside here. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, why, why is it just made? The, I guess Sting is supposed to be the renegade. Like, we'll take on anything that comes. Right. Like, whatever yeah. anyone says, I'm just going to beat him. I'm the badass. 
It just seems kind of stupid. Like, there's just a hundred members of the NWO. Yeah, but he's got Bret Hart on his side. Bret Hart helped him out uh, the previous week. Otherwise, Nash would have been the champion. So I guess there's that, but um, who? Yeah, th- not a great move. Yeah, who? Oh, I, don't <laughs> I don't think there's a Bret Hart working in this company. Surely this pay-per-view doesn't show there's a Bret Hart working in this company. I, before we start, though, there's there's two things. One, uh, going back on the commentary, how many fucking times do I have to mention the thin air in Denver? For fuck's sake. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> it was brilliant. I, I have a particular amazing one for the main event that is just i think it's my favorite line that has ever been uttered in wrestling uh, all right I, I can't wait to get to that we'll, we'll get to yeah. that later but yes thin air is the thing in denver yeah, but whatever. Yeah. All, all of them are getting blown up it's nothing to do with their out of shape wrestlers not exactly. at all <laughs> yeah i will say this the set this time around we haven't really mentioned the sets very often because they've been very bland on wcw but this set fucking kicks ass yeah like oh, the yeah. entrance good. is like barn doors that like that that open. open up and the rest yeah yeah it's really cool, cool and then there's bales of hay and there's a there's a carriage and there's the wagon wheels <laughs> lots of fences for there's some a, reason there's a, a mechanical bull i think a one bit or it might be like oh yeah there is bull. there is a bull over on the left hand side i'm surprised yeah. they didn't use that that uh, that scenery will a little bit of a spoiler be uh put to good use later <laughs> very good use later uh, match number one of the night doesn't make much use of it, though. We have uh, Saturn with Kidman representing the flock versus Goldberg. Getting to see more Goldberg on pay-per-views. Getting to see the, the streak build. And it's very much in the middle of Goldberg fever. The, f- the commentators put him over big and they say his record is 73-0. and 0, And they call him a once-in-a-generation occurrence, which turns out to be pretty pretty correct yeah. going forward. But... uh. Yeah, they, they already knew what they had with Goldberg. They're already ramping up those streak numbers. I'm not going to do the maths on how many wins. That should be a week since he's been working. Yes, starting out the month, he was 56-0. and 0, So that's that's a lot of, it's a lot of matches. It's actually not as ridiculous as I thought, but yeah, they added a few in there. 18 matches. You, you could definitely tell like there was like one week the commentator's like, oh, he's 73-0, and 0, and there's a sign in the crowd, 72-0. and 0. It's like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. So I don't actually know that much. Not much of this feud has been shown on the pay-per-views yet. Connor, are these guys uh, have Goldberg been feuding with the Flock much on Nitros? Sort of. A lot of people have been feuding with the the Flock because everybody hates the Flock. Because <laughs> well, it, part of it is they have so many members, so a lot of times they will have matches, and then the Flock gets involved. So then you know, those desperately Flock members always at ringside. And that's kind of what this was. I think Goldberg wrestled Hammer. I think. They threw the flock at him, and Saturn wanted a piece of him, and Raven's like, nope, you're not doing that. And Saturn <laughs> was kind of pissed at that. He, Saturn thought he could take him on, and here you go, buddy. I, I think put, putting Goldberg against something like the flock is so good. I, I'm not sure what happens with the storyline, but it's just so many plebs he can run through, right? I'm, I'm surprised you don't know the storyline, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this materializing. But, uh, I mean, we have to talk about, like, just the sheer difference of Goldberg now. So yeah. well, let's run it down. So one, he's not Bill Goldberg anymore. He's just Goldberg. Two, he has pyro. Yeah, he's not breathing in the smoke type of thing, but like... He, he did it a little bit, to be fair. A little bit. Yeah. But he has like his arm motions and his intensity in the beginning. It's yep. there. He looks a bit leaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's still jacked, but he's now more like actually defined. And he definitely has the personality down even way more so now. He's starting to get a lot of his... Uh... His moves down as well, like the stuff I've seen in this match is stuff we see from him a year from now, you know. His spots don't, don't change that much. He still doesn't know how to wrestle. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, the, the character is super, super down, like, um, like more developed than I thought it would be by this stage. The other, the other big thing too is for Saturn's obviously like the first like real opponent. Been a lot of jobber matches, but like again, this like they would give him the Lex Luger treatment. They gave him a lot of like huge guys to to jackhammer. So it's definitely fun for the fans. But I think the big turning point for Goldberg was he attacked the NWO on Thunder. It essentially comes out of nowhere because he hasn't interacted or wrestled anybody from the MWO. I think he might have wrestled like Virgil or something like that, but it's hard <laughs> to remember. It was your typical WCW NWO locker room, like empty out. And then like Goldberg was like the last one to come out. He did a double spear spot and like the crowd just lost its mind. So WCW like had to believe like at this moment, it's like, all right, we're giving this guy the rocket. I, I, I assume they like, were like, this we're probably going to give this guy the rocket but like once they saw the reaction and how he handled the moment it's like yep this guy is he's it yeah this like we have a lot of criticisms for him and we'll make a lot of jokes as expense but i think gus is right his character like his the way he handles himself and the way he looks he has a very amazing in-ring presentation and charisma people are right you can't teach that you can't teach that intensity that he has even though I, i complained about him a lot in the previous two episodes Still kind of exciting to watch. I, I'm still kind of marking out at some of his crap. It's the crowd. This, yeah. As soon as his music hits, people go fucking nuts. Yeah, so I, it's just really cool. I have it written down. He doesn't have pops. He has explosions. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. It's totally different. You can immediately tell this guy is legit because everybody has gone excellent. We get to see Goldberg beat up some fool, and it's going to look cool and it's going to be really impressive. Yeah, you can feel it. You can just, even when he's like walking into the arena, when he's coming down and all that, and everybody's so jacked to see him and everybody's so intense and focused and concentrated, unlike several other matches on the show. <laughs> it's the perfect, I know they've been using the Cruiserweights for like the last two years worth of shows that we've been watching for it to open the show to, to try and get people energized. But this, he's a great opener. Right? is an amazing opener. Like, this is the perfect spot for him at this point in time. Obviously, he's not going to be there for very much longer, just with how amazing he is in terms of presence. But for this show, it's the, it's it's perfect. He has everything that you need to get everybody invested into it. You know, it's very unique about this time frame. Uh, and the NWO did start it, in fairness to them, National Hall. But it's characters that don't need that big of gimmicks, right? They're just themselves, and they have their gimmick quirks, and they'll have little bits that work for them. But this is going from the completely cartoonish to Austin and Goldberg, and who are they? Like, Austin was supposed to be a a redneck to start with, and they keep that a little bit in his character. But Austin's Austin. He doesn't really have a team. And the same with Goldberg. Goldberg's just Goldberg. He's a fucking badass. You like everything about how he moves, how he presents himself, without having to be a fucking cowboy or something like that, you know, something like absolutely. He doesn't have to be a mortal combat ninja to get over. Right. Oh, oh he's a football player. He does one move. That's kind of like a tackle. There. Yeah, go. that's it. Like he has a little bit of a team. Like he's a former athlete that's peppered in, but everything else is just naturally what he likes doing, what he presents. And a lot of wrestlers from this point on will get it. The rock, the rock, you know, getting uh, the rocket put to his back was when he shed all that, like stupid gimmicky crap they gave him at the start of his career and he just got to do what he wanted be a bigger version of himself and this is a huge turning point for wrestling where there's lots more wrestlers that do it after this you can name lots of people in both companies that do it after this 
I, I bring it up again too. It's timing. If Nitro wasn't like three hours and having thunder, like I wonder, does Goldberg get as over as he does? It is I don't know. Time, yeah. I mean, I, I would think so. I, I think a lot of people they criticize for Goldberg for having short matches, but part of it too is like you want fans to tune in to like, oh, did I miss the Goldberg segment? Because it's it, it's going to be done in just a, a moment, so you don't want to miss that. So it's a very <laughs> It's it's actually kind of cool. It's 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 very it's a thing you don't want to miss. You want to be a part of that that explosion, as Gus said. It's also part of what we're seeing even today with context and that he's still wrestling. Why I don't know, but yeah. he can't really wrestle longer than a certain amount of time. You can see it in this match. He doesn't really know how to go longer, but you don't need him to. Everything you get from him is can be defined within that five minute period. So why would you want him to wrestle longer? It's built into his character. He's a dominant animal of a man and you're either, he's either going to dominate you or you have to run over him to get through it in on the other side. And it's really simple storytelling. That's just the way it works with him. And that's all you need. I think the only thing we're missing is what his catchphrase. That's, that's the one thing. Yeah. It's, it's impressive to see it come together. Now, in this match, uh, I I didn't have much faith in Saturn, even before knowing, (laughs) being able to look into the future. But I I, I like that they put him with a more accomplished wrestler. And as I said, feuding against the flock gives them lots of fodder to go forward with. The match itself, I actually quite enjoyed, bar a few bits. Saturn uh, starts it off by getting one or two chops and making it look like he could be competitive before getting suplexed around the place. I, I, I don't know if it's Saturn selling or Goldberg at this stage is still freakishly strong from being uh, a football player, but he is throwing Saturn around the place. Uh, flying heel hook by Goldberg and Kidman helps Saturn get to the ropes. Uh, Goldberg just grabs uh, Kidman into the ring just to gorilla press slam him out of it, which is uh, a pretty funny Ouch. spot, but, but really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Kidman's like the perfect uh, cruiserweight fodder just to toss around. Oh, yeah. You can see his improvement there, though. To, to draw attention to it like that heel hook i'm pretty sure he's tried it before on one of the previous pay-per-view matches and it was a bit clunky and he kind of didn't really rotate right or whatever but this is crisp and he gets he rolls through really well and it's it pops and yep. it, it's now a spot like it's something that you can expect him to do i guess because his matches are so short it's almost like he's ticking boxes in his head and he's going okay i've done the heel hook now so now I need to do a gorilla press slam. Yeah, once I get that, then I can do a spear. Then I can do a jackhammer, and the match is over. <laughs> I, I I think you you've hit the the nail on the head there. He is actually getting quite good at his spots, and when he's not good at it, he's freakishly strong. And we'll note that later. If something goes wrong, he's sometimes just able to power through it and make it a move anyway, which is kind of impressive. But he has no idea, and still to today, to be honest, he doesn't know how to transfer between moves. So he doesn't know what to do in the downtime. He's just ticking a box. He's like, as you said, girl, press slam. Okay, I got to wait for my next one. Is it time? Yeah, it might be time. Let's do the next one. <laughs> There's no flow. It doesn't look like a fight. It looks like a, a set of spots. But, ooh, the, the, the spots are impressive. And part of the problem, too, is uh, Goldberg does not really know how to sell. He, <laughs> no, does, the, he does not. <laughs> the shake the head. It's punch. Punch. Saturn, he gets... Probably the most offense, I think, out of anybody on him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, like sweet springboard, like leg drop and like an elbow drop from the top and stuff like that. Like it. I do like this that Saturn is like switching up his game plan against a guy like Goldberg. He's trying like more high flying moves when he like he does not do that against other guys. Yeah, Saturn looks like they have a coherent plan, frantic offense to keep Goldberg off his feet. 
targets the shoulder, like squeezes it in between the ring steps and the ring. I love those kind of spots. It looks nasty, but obviously it's barely touching Goldberg. And uh, it looks like he's really targeting the big guy. Unfortunately, Goldberg forgets to sell it about five minutes after it happens. But, you know, he's, <laughs> that's fine. That works a bit to his advantage because his no-selling is bad. But it kind of plays into the Goldberg character of anything you do to him just phases him for five seconds. You can't keep him down. He just keeps coming. An unfortunate botch by Saturn in this match, though. He goes for an acai moonsault and just completely slips. It looks like he's doing like the coffin drop yeah, <laughs> into, into Goldberg. And it's bad. And the worst is Goldberg doesn't know what to do. So Goldberg could just sell it as it either could sell it like he's hit or he could just get up and work on uh, Saturn and go, you know, people slip. It's a sport. But he doesn't need her. So and the, you can tell Saturn's like talking to him like, okay, I'm just going to get up <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, there's this spot and the, I don't know if the, the Irish whip spot is before or after that. It's quite clear that Goldberg is meant to reverse it and just then doesn't. come back with a super kick and he just doesn't. And so he kind of runs off the ropes and Saturn just kind of mushes into him. And then they do the exact same spot again, <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> except correctly. And it's moved on. But you can see it's the same selling reaction that Goldberg does. He just kind of goes, oh, OK, let's go on to the next thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, mule kick by uh, uh, by Goldberg and Spirit put Saturn down. Goldberg goes for the jackhammer, but Kid, uh, Kidman distracts RF and uh, Saturn uses the most effective reversal in the business. Big old low bro- blow makes a big deal out of it. The commentary team make a big actually deal out of it being stopped. They say this is the first time the jackhammer has been stopped, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through those 73 victories and check. They're probably right though. Yeah, they are probably right. Like he he finishes most of his matches in two moves. I can't imagine someone's blocking jackhammers <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Superplex attempt by Saturn, but Goldberg reverses it into a gorilla plus Sam off the top rope. And the trust in Goldberg here by Saturn is insane. I wouldn't trust current Goldberg to do that to me, let alone <laughs> like one year in the business Goldberg. That is that is a scary spot. The flock hits the ring and Goldberg just fights them all off with extreme ease. Big old spear to Kidman. Kidman just getting turned inside out. His selling's amazing. Is it selling? Mm. <laughs> I think he might have just got hit. Uh, <laughs> Could have just yeah. been a big old case of broken ribs. Yeah, Brett, Brett hasn't gotten the word out on how much he hurts folks. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. He do, he does just fairly tackle people. It's why his spear looks so good. But uh, K- Kidman being a champ, being gorilla pressed, slammed out of a ring and getting uh, speared out of his boots in this. The distraction does let Saturn lock in the rings, but Goldberg doesn't even sell them for one second and just stands straight up, puts Saturn on his shoulders and throws him into a jackhammer. And he obviously doesn't throw him correct the first time, so Saturn starts falling but he just brute strengths him to midair position and then Jacker Jack hammers him. Holy shit, Saturn's not a small dude. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty freakish strength at the end, in fairness. Not to linger too much on the current wrestling, but he's botched a lot and over the last like five years he's been back. But I think it's because he never had to learn to do these moves too technically, because he's a freak. In no way did he approach reversing that into a jackhammer in a way that it could be reversed into a jackhammer. None of it should have been physically possible, but he's just like, nope, this is this is going to be a jackhammer now. <laughs> you're, you're just in it. And and what's what's scary is like he made it look like presentable. If yeah. he wasn't like super gay, I mean, 
Goldberg was so blown up in this match. Like he could barely run the ropes at one point. So <laughs> yeah. just I, I was actually afraid like when he's going to, oh, he's going to try it. Oh no. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I thought he was going to drop him. Yep. Saturn's dead. <laughs> they replaced Saturn with another Saturn because Saturn's no way he's surviving this move, but it does get the three count and uh impressive outing by Goldberg. Like we talked about his transitions are terrible and he's a bit clueless, but I think Saturn helped him through a good match here and, was helped by the offensive Saturn. Like, it made it look like a little bit of a legitimate threat. I think at the end of the match, if he got to lock in the rings for more than two and a half seconds, I would have bit on a false finish. But still, maybe the best we've seen of Goldberg so far. What what did you guys think? I thought it was grand. It's a good opener. If I'm being picky, why was this not uh, a DQ finish? (laughs) Considering... I don't know, six people were in the ring at one point attacking <laughs> attacking one of the competitors. But, you know, got to keep that undefeated streak. Yeah. Like that That's a minor pity. That's just being picky for picky's sake. Like, no, it, it's fun. It, it did its job. It got the crowd awake. It got the crowd invested. And it got him over even more. Because now, as as they keep talking about through the through the match, he gets to fight the US champ, whoever that may be, on the next night. So he gets to win the US championship on the next night. That's so nice of them. <laughs> I don't think they're stopping this streak at 73 and 1. That does, just doesn't ring well, right? <laughs> they might as well present him with a, a nitro, but I guess that, that, that's not as cool. I mean, to be fair, it's quite a step up for him. Yeah, it is. To, it is. to get that kind of title shot. Yeah, and I mean, in kayfabe, it's well deserved if you're dominating this much. Like you should probably get a title shot of some sort. So it, it actually does make sense. I actually have been enjoying this progression here. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. I, I'm actually surprised. I, I never really hear about this match in particular when like talking about Goldberg's matches in particular in WCW. So I'm kind of surprised in that, in that sense. Well, uh, my, my critique maybe would be just the match may have been a minute or two, too long. Goldberg just like, always waits like, is this the end yet? Can I, can I spear you yet? Can I jackhammer you yet? <laughs> can I, can I like, no, we got to, we got to run through these spots first. So I got to do some of my wanna. own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to run the ropes again. I said, we have to run the ropes. The road agent told us, I don't want to just let me jackhammer, but very enjoyable match. And uh, speaking of enjoyable matches, we got number two of the night, Chavo Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon. Chavo, of course, coming down with Eddie, his owner. Just classic wrestle crap. We're still going with the storyline of uh, Eddie essentially owns Chavo and Chavo's fighting for his freedom because Eddie has never beat Ultimo. If Chavo can beat Ultimo Dragon, he uh, he doesn't have to listen to Eddie any- anymore. But if he loses, Eddie is going to be doubly as harsh. <laughs> and I, I saw there's a documentary from a long time ago, WWE wise, and it explains how good of a wrestler Eddie is but he didn't really get his character work until Latino Heat. And that's complete bollocks. Eddie is 100% gold in this match. Holy shit, he's so good in this match. This whole whole storyline is amazing week to week. It's so good. He's so so funny. Oh, it's great. Eddie gives Chavo like the shirt that says Eddie is my favorite wrestler and it says cheat to win on the back. That was the the other thing. Like I didn't think he had that catchphrase down this early as well. But uh, yeah, he also makes Chavo apologize to Grandma Guerrero for embarrassing the family. <laughs> what a dick. It's so good. Yeah, this cheat to win stuff obviously was born actually in WCW and it's complete 
WWE revisionist history that Latino yep. Heat and Light Cheat Steel was theirs. That was just an extension, a bigger version of what this gimmick was. And it was even with Chavo. Like, it was bouncing off Chavo. And Chavo plays a great, like, white meat baby face. I don't want to do it. He wants to be fair. He hates Eddie. You know, he's, he's, the wrestling with Ultimate Dragons really good. It's really crisp and it's very baby face, uh, baby face luchador ish. And the contract, this stuff Eddie is saying outside the ring. I'll go through some of it in the match, but even though there's an amazing match and like very good match, especially by Ultimo going on here, my eyes and ears are just glued to Eddie and what he's going to say next. Yeah. The crowd's locked on him too. He's yeah, the yeah. one that gets the, the chance and he's not even in the match. That's, that's yeah. just phenomenal work. I think and it's actually really distracting. Yeah. It's probably the main thing I have written down here is like that match is probably really good. Is good to, to really good. Who cares? Nobody's paying attention to them. And it's, it's <laughs> actually like, as as much as Chavo is contributing to it, he's just making his brother an even bigger star. His uncle? His uncle, yeah. yeah. Did I, did I say uncle. brother? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like it just gets his uncle over even more. It's, it's working far more effectively for Eddie than Chavo is. And he's just kind of being dragged along for the ride. I, um, I And I think like as a booker, like that's probably the, the best thing to do. Because like, Chavo is just like when you look at him, he's a good role player. He's not going to be a champion. So I think like this is like the perfect role for him. I'm definitely behind Chavo now, and then the crowd's definitely behind Chavo too, but not like to the extent like like DDP or something like that. I, I wanted to ask too, like they had a run in WWF, right? Yeah, yeah, they were oh, yeah, they yeah. were part of the SmackDown Seven. They six. were just yeah, oh, six, I completely missed that. Yeah, sorry, six. Yeah, they were they were Los Guerreros. They were tag champions and stuff for a good yeah. while. I, I want to check that stuff out now because yeah, all this stuff is gold week to week. It's they're, so they're, good. They're very good, and there's a lot of Chavo memes because he was definitely in Eddie's shadow the entire time, and he's just he's a great wrestler. He's just Eddie has so much more personality than him. He suffers in, in fact nearly his entire career from that because he's always just going to be a slightly worse version of Eddie in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, but even Chavo's showing a lot of personality in this too. Like, yeah. I I definitely feel sorry for him. Like, it's 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 actually really good work. I've definitely underrated Chavo because when, when I think of Chavo in WCW, I think of Pepe. So we'll, we'll get oh, to that sure, eventually. Yeah, yeah. But like, I I didn't think there was gonna be an, an extra layer to him here. And I, I think I'm they loving every minute of this. I think they have a bit of a problem though, and this comes up later on in the show as well, where when they hit effectively on characters. The characters are so good that they're just getting cheered no matter what they're doing. Like Eddie is a full blown asshole here, but the crowd loves him. And you're like, well, he's a heel, guys. (laughs) You're not meant to like this guy. He's getting a lot of cool heat like um, some individuals later on will talk about. It's that generation of wrestling, right? It's the NWO generation. It still happens now. It's for ages. Like Austin being over. Like, the, the Austin feud started with him hitting an old man, you know? Like, it, it didn't reveal that Vince was evil until later. Initially, it was just a very angry man hitting his boss. That shouldn't get over it. But, but it did, and that that's this generation of kind of um, angsty, grungy MTV fans, you but, know? But, but what I mean, like, is Eddie's not doing anything that's meant to be cool. No. Like, fair enough with, with certain... Like, with Austin's, you can kind of get the viewpoint. You're like... Yeah, wouldn't yeah. it be cool to beat up your boss because yeah. you're just fed up with it that is kind of cool and you can see why people want to support him Eddie's just being an asshole to to one of his blood relatives and isn't really actually doing anything that's even remotely nice yeah not he's redeemable just so, at all yeah. he just has such a magnetic personality that you're like 
ah, this is too cool. He's doing way too good of a job like that. I enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> it's it's super hard to over overcome as well. I completely get your point. It, it, it's almost uh, as well, even when he's getting booed, like Connor said, it's like fun to boo him. They're more concerned with booing him than they are cheering faces, if that makes some some sense. But yeah, he's just too much fun to have on, on screen. And that, that goes away if he's a face as well. And it, it was a it was a pretty big problem this era. And I think Connor's right. They they found that heels were getting better reaction. So at one stage, like like DDP's like the only face left in the company. And is he even really a face? He's just kind of a dick that diamond cutters people. Don't worry, yeah. Dave. Like they still have at least three, four years with Eddie. Wait. They don't. Right. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> It, it is uh we, we have to preface the match too. like the reason why this pair is set up like this is because Eddie's hurt. So it's it is a, a good utilization of Eddie. Oh, that to is just good, yeah. Get travel over and but still have Eddie be on TV. This this match is also very smooth from the get go. Ultimo and Chavo have like some real chemistry and ring. And while Ultimo is definitely dominating and shown as the better wrestler, Chavo is getting some nice spots in and chain wrestling. But forget all that. Because Eddie outside the ring is so embarrassed by Chavo's performance, he's put a towel over his head and is just shaking his head with his back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put put this stick this in here before we get too far from the match. Did you see them get dust thrown on them? Yeah, it's glitter on the way to the ring. Like, yeah, it's so random. There's just why, why does a random fan have glitter to throw at them? Because the two of them just kind of look at it and go, oh, and then they just carry on. It's it's very very strange. One of the fans thought it was nice, like, yeah, like confetti, you know, it's Eddie. It does, it does look like gold dust, so, like, is there some weird inside joke going on with gold dust or whatever? But I don't think so. Mm-hmm. One of the best lines directly after this is uh, Ultimo has that weird submission on where he, like, squeezes your feet and your head kind of, like, closer together, where he, like, stands over your head. And Eddie is screaming, ring, this is your chance, this is your out of the match, Chavo, just give up. <laughs> this is your chance to get out of the match I mean, this is, it's just gold competitive exchanges by both men great spots leading to close falls and it's hard to go into direct detail because it's uh, what I'll call luchador shit <laughs> it's a mm. lot of like roll ups and exchanges yeah, and reversals he, yeah Chavo does that like he does like a backwards bridge but then he holds like dragon's chin like behind his behind his neck oh it's yeah. a yeah. There's a name for that. It's a Last Chancery, right? It's like I, the, the I don't know the name. I, I, yeah. I do it in the video games all the time, but I never knew what the name was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such such complex crap. And it's so funny because these guys are doing it at such a high um, high level and tempo. And a lot of the other older, more rotund luchadors that we've seen on the program do the same moves and they're so sloppy. Naming no one in particular. <laughs> Conan, Conan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this match is in double time compared to like every other match on the card. Yeah. 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 I don't know if these Incredible. guys have a history before this. I wasn't able to look it up. But yeah, these guys seem like they've been wrestling these spots for years. Even though they do point out that Chavo has like way less wrestling time in comparison to uh, Eddie during it. I can't. It's like 10 versus three or something at that point. Yeah. I, th- I think it's like full time years. I think this is like the yeah. first time Chavo has like a full time wrestling job. Which is insane to think he's a, a Guerrero family member. You think they'd get pretty hooked up with jobs, but after an Asai moonsault to the outside, we get another great Eddie moment. He gets right into Chavo's face, who's down, and tell him, uh, tell him if he loses, he's reminding me I'll be double as hard, double as hard. Chavo, get up! I, I love before too. He says, "Mom, I'm trying. I'm, yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying <laughs> directly man. into the camera. It's, pretty, oh, it's so good." 
in the ring, there's a double down. Ultimo comes off the top rope, but Chavo uh, reverses it with a drop kick to the gut. Ultimo's hurt, though, uh, kayfabe hurt, and uh, Chavo gives time for the ref to check on him. And Eddie goes apoplectic. It, like, he is throwing a full-blown tantrum on the outside, telling him to go, go in for the kill. This is your chance. This is your chance, Chavo! And he slaps, he's hurt. <laughs> he slaps Chavo in the face when he's up on the apron, and he's like berating him for not taking his chance. So when Ultimo's up, he goes in for the attack. He lets Ultimo get up, honorable luchador, and uh, he hits a big drop kick into a brain buster, pointing at Eddie, a bit of a tribute to Eddie, actually. Brain buster was a big move in Eddie's arsenal. He goes for his finish, which is a tornado DDD. For anyone that didn't know what Chavo's finish was, and I wouldn't blame you if he didn't. I don't think he's ever hit one. Oh, but if you're watching the Nitros, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's his dad's finish as well. It's like one of the senior Guerrero's I like it. I like that move. It's very... Why doesn't more people use that? It's become a trans- transition move, right? It's yeah, a lot of, you know, you, probably. You, you went for a superplex. new wrestling. It's just too many people have used it, I think, at this point. That, yeah. That's that's not like some kind of 450 Phoenix splash into a submission. Get out of here, Connor. That's not a modern wrestling move. Or not a super kick, yeah. It's not, it's not a super kick. How dare you? Ultimo just puts on the brake and hits a, gets a Dragon Sleeper. Like he just stops the Tornado DD2 and grabs a Dragon Sleeper like, super seamlessly. Chavo taps out, uh, taps out. By the way, also a huge fan of the Dragon Sleeper as a finish, especially when they grapevine it when they go to the floor. Post-match, Eddie pleads with Chavo, asking him, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And it's so brilliant. He doesn't just like hit him or berate him. He's like pleading with him, what do I have to do to help you? And it's such a, a perfect moment to end the match. My God, Eddie was so good. Match of the night for me. I was very surprised. Well, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because Ultimo somehow like he always surprised us with like good solid matches. Like he's just like the perfect hand to have around like WCW is so lucky to have this guy. Yeah, I think that's a pretty story uh, of this pay-per-view, particularly the first half of it is like when you see the talent that they have in the undercard and then you go, but this company ran out of business three years later. (laughs) You're like, how 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 did you do this <laughs> like okay sure uh it's really really good eddie's just brilliant here i can't fault him either with the logic behind it because when you see ultimo go down with the injury yes chavo is like ultimate fan baby face and will wait but like literally 10 percent of wrestlers wait like only like super super face guys do so what eddie's suggesting is what most wrestlers would do you're like that guy's injured go hit him where he's injured yeah. and you're like of course you should do that so like he's not even wrong so he's he's being consistent within his heel character and it's just uh i'm sure i'm hoping the payoff is good because i can't really remember what happens but really really good match again like you said the crowd just takes over and is just all over eddie for most of it so yeah really really good i'm super surprised i said at the start of the match but i'm super surprised by how complete of a wrestler eddie is here because obviously he can have these five-star matches. We've seen him on the top of his game, especially some of the Ray matches are incredible. But the narrative in general with a lot of this mid-card is they weren't just they weren't quite ready for the next level. And I can see that in Chris and Dean and some of the other guys that jump. Even Booker has a little bit to go before he's the full article. If you put Eddie in a world title program, obviously they're never going to, but if they would have, I wouldn't be surprised. If I would have loved to see like Eddie versus DDP for the world title or something like that, or even... I, I don't know. I just Eddie doesn't need to improve anymore. This is this is amazing. He's a full package, and th- he's their biggest loss 
I think like after all this, the people who jump ship in a couple of years, and I think Eddie is their biggest loss by far. Yeah, that's actually probably a fair argument. It, it, it's uh, arguable for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The next is a, a segment co- close and dear to my heart, of course, the Internet Nerds with Lee Marshall talking to DDP, asking him uh, about how he thinks about Goldberg, that he's going to face him. He says, no, he's concerned with tonight. A year ago, he beat Macho Man with the Diamond Cutter at this same event. No one thought he could, but he did. Great, great promo work by DDP. He's been knocking out of the park with his promos, as far as I've seen. He's like the only person that uses the internet thing correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give credit. Raven does do does as well later, even if I don't particularly enjoy the promo he makes. But but DDP actually seems engaged and doing something about his character work while he's on this throwaway thing about the internet. I mean, who's going to be using the internet? It's not that important. Yeah, he's working his ass off to get his character over. DDP is putting a lot of attention to detail that it feels like some of the other upper mid-carders aren't. Yeah, Lee Marshall's stash is on point as well. I have to mention <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. True, yeah. I, I can't, every time I, I know his name, I know who it is and every time, but every time I see him first, I go, Tony. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not Tony the Tiger. Well, it is Tony the Tiger, but that's not the point. I do want Frosties every time I see him, in fairness. Every time I see him, I'm like, I, I could really go for a bowl of Frosties. Frosties. Is that what they call it over there? Frosty what? Flakes? Our, ours are Frosties, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> Frosties are, are a Wendy's like ice cream, so that's why I was like, Oh, that's true. That's, what, that's probably yeah. what it is. I have another food <laughs> I have another food related thing for later, actually, also. I'm not sure if it's a thing in America. All so. right, all right. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. have to keep this completely into the, the podcast. People need to know that it's Frosties <laughs> over here. Yeah. <laughs> Match number three of the night, we have Chris Benoit versus Booker T. Bit of dream booking here. These guys have fought the two time limit draws for the TV title, so they want it resolved tonight. They want to see who the better man is. No time limits, even though I think it's usually 10 minutes for the TV title, right? Yep. 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 Simple, effective booking for two guys that aren't great at cutting babyface promo, so this is just <laughs> the perfect situation for him. Holy shit, is Chris Benoit blonde. Like, his music, his presentation, I guess he's supposed to be the intense guy, but he doesn't even get that over. Compared to Booker, who the fans are really starting to warm up to here, and oozes personality out of everything he does. Yeah, we thought Benoit was maybe going to get a push, but you see just how many people had just passed him up yeah, when yeah. they're given the opportunity to talk on the mic and have an actual character. It's like, oops. Well, Jericho, you're way ahead of Benoit now. Nothing yeah. says more than the, the stat that they pull out during the match of Chris Benoit has never won a singles title. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and they give the TV title to everyone. They give it to everyone. <laughs> He's the most accomplished wrestler without a major title. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's night and day. And we just talked about Eddie and Chavo and how, like, how well they're getting over. And again, all the stuff I saw from Benoit, the documentaries when their articles jumped, they're like, Everyone knew Chris was going to be big. He was such a good wrestler. And they refer to it lots here. And I'm not even seeing that. Like, I'm seeing guys out wrestling on these cards as well. From what, from what I had pictured, and I, I have rattled on about this before, was Benoit was a super wrestler that just needed a chance and a bit of a better personality. And I think he needs to wrestle better, and he needs a better personality, and he needs to know how to connect with fans in the ring. And that's three major things you need to overcome. It's just, yeah, he's, he's just not clicking, even if I enjoy some of his matches. Benoit tries to target the leg early. Uh, commentators uh, giving Boatman a lot of props with saying this is super clever because Booker actually uses his legs for everything, which is actually very true when you think of his move, move set. 
Uh, after Benoit tries to slam Booker's knee into a ring for a second time, I love the spot. Booker uses the momentum to like push himself fully up to his feet and just hit a sidekick. I thought that was pretty cool. You've seen that knee spot lots of times when they're lying on their stomach and they just slam the knee into the ground. There's one fluid motion. Decent amount of rest holds for Booker here. He usually doesn't pull things out like this. Yeah. But Brain does actually account this to the no time limit. So I thought that was a very nice touch. I don't know if that was Booker's intent, but this match was definitely different from their Nitro matches, which were definitely more high high pace type action. Brain Brain was on was on fire for this one. The two puns in particular got me one after the other was one uh, where uh, I think Tony is saying to Tanay, don't argue with him. It's like arguing with your wife. And there's silence for a bit. And yeah. Brain says, you argue with Mike's wife? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they talk about Booker yeah. coming early. Like, today is going to put over Booker and his preparedness. He's like, Booker's been here since Friday. You know, he's getting prepared. The mountain air fucking bullshit. Like, the, he's getting used to tin air. And, to- <laughs> and Brain just fucking rattles off the story. No, what actually happened, his last hotel, he had a coupon that was like expiring, so he had to leave by Thursday. Because if he didn't get here by Friday, he'd have to pay the not early bird tickets. And that's actually what happened. <laughs> There's just a silence afterwards. <laughs> He's just having fun, and the other guys are being so stiff, so the puns are coming off fantastically. Yeah. And it feels like he's just like needling the other commentators, right? Oh, I Instead think he's definitely actually. doing that. Yeah. See, he is, yeah. yeah. He is. I think he's doing the proper job commentating at times. Like, he picks his spots. Yeah, yeah. he. I, I think Brain was very good for this pay-per-view. Those, those two just got the Mike's wife thing. You argue with Mike's wife. How dare you? <laughs> it's just so good. The other two are just kind of, they're too technical at times. Yeah. They blend into each other, so it's good Bobby is there at least. Yeah, they're very similar. He's breaking it up a lot with his jokes and his, uh, his snide remarks about the faces is, is still something I love. Ben Waters to bring up the intensity of this match, though. One of the chops looks like he's trying to come out the back of Booker's <laughs> Booker's uh, chest. It is just insane. You can see the sweat just... <laughs> yeah. And uh, Vicious. I, I, I can't believe I can call a snap suplex Vicious. But again, it's like he's trying to snap Booker through the ring. Really hard spots here. Ben kind of hits a diving headbutt in the middle of the match out of nowhere. In classic Ben mode as well. Doesn't try and save his head at all. Just hits Booker square in the chest with his head. Doesn't get a tree count. Booker gets foot up to the rope a bit anticlimatically. Triple Germans by Benoit and a back suplex off the top. A two count uh, from these. And all the few next exchanges are uh, Booker kicking up at two. So Booker showing huge resilience. As the commentary team told us, we've gone by the 10 minutes. So this would have been a draw if they had not gone for no time limit match. He goes for an axe kick, but somehow hits the ref from like a weird angle. It looks very Benoit clumsy. pulls the ref into it. Yeah, yeah, we see that after the match, it shows it. Benoit pulls the ref. And I hate it. Why would you pull the ref into it? Why would you I not don't get move? It. Yeah. What's the advantage of the ref getting <laughs> getting axe kicked? Yep. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is the ref just like was in the wrong. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Un- but unless Benoit- they're trying to, to sell. Obviously, I haven't seen the nitros and stuff afterwards that like Benoit's going to be like, I really wanted to win this no. match. But nope. I'm, yeah, nope. this is like clear. Like the way they built this match is like we're both baby faces. They've helped each other. These are two guys that are just like let's have a good, clean, fair match. So that this this part just stuck out like so much. Yeah. I it wouldn't mind really if odd. like you know when like someone pulls at a ref to help themselves to their feet to avoid something, and then the ref gets mm-hmm. or like you pull him to get yourself out of the turnbuckle and he gets hit. That makes sense. Or putting the ref in harm's way because you like, you want to win the match so much. 
when he just moves, pulls the ref's hand downwards, so the ref is bending down, and he just eats a big old axe kick out of nowhere. It's like the guy owed Benoit money. He's just like, here, take the axe kick for me, buddy. <laughs> just a weird spot. Booker is uh, apologizing to the ref and trying to revive him. Booker turns around into a cross face, but the ref is down, so doesn't see Booker tapping out. He does like a light tap out and then gets the ropes. And but yeah, the, the ref just doesn't see it because Benoit has made sure the ref is unconscious for no for no reason. It ruins the match for me. It ruins the match. It makes no sense. When Benoit tries to revive the ref, Booker just hits a big old sidekick over the ref, kind of jumping over the ref, which was nice. And yeah, post-match, we get the camera angle on Benoit making one of the worst wrestling choices he could at that point. Why doesn't he just move? Yeah, it really, really disappointed finish. I actually thought Benoit was going to get the win here, just you know, from them pointing out that he hasn't had a major title win. This is a solid holdover feud for both guys, I think. The Nitro matches way better than this. The Nitro matches are worth checking out if you, if you want to check out some decent matches. Booker still thriving as TV champion, so I guess this makes sense. And I feel like they could extend the feud, but I'm not sure where where we go. Yeah, I'd rather not like. Benoit's poison, man. I just don't want to see him wrestle. Like, anyone Damn. that I like, I just don't want to see them wrestle him. I'm like, what about this cool match that could have him? Like, yeah, he's a personality vacuum. I don't want to see them near him. Also, the booking isn't his fault, but the booking surrounding Benoit is so stupid at all times. Like, this isn't the first time we pointed out that's a stupid decision by Benoit. It's not like it bought into his character where he's so intense, you know, he got DQ'd for, like, continued too long, or he's so competitive, he got a count out because he lost, like, track of them wrestling outside it's just i'm just pulling the referee in the way we we thought it was sullivan's fault but maybe sullivan's a great wrestler and benoit was just bringing him down man mm. <laughs> don't mention sullivan ever again yeah. <laughs> that, that name's banned from the podcast gus, yeah t- tell me gus tell me why you hate this match i guess it's just because it when you were explaining the the, the thing about the rest hold spots i think that's probably where where it's getting to me is that I'm used to Booker being more explosive and more up tempo. This matchup is just really dragged out. The pace of it is way longer. And the crowd seems to get lost as you're watching it. I, I kind of felt bored watching them. And maybe it's partly because Benoit has no character and there's no real stakes for why they're doing this. I understand that it's like a face v face. We want to get a proper winner, that kind of thing. So there is some stakes, but because there's so little personality between the two, there's nobody really to root for. It's just two guys doing moves with each other, but it doesn't really matter. And it, yeah, it just it just misses uh, in, in that regard for me. I have a little bit of a suspicion. Booker's been doing well, but when matches go longer, he only has a set amount of spots that he's confident in at the moment. And I think he's, in the last match I noted as well, he did a lot of rest holds. And I think it's because he's extending matches because he hasn't added to kind of his repertoire for a while. Obviously, Booker later, especially in WBF, a fantastic wrestler. And he just goes from strength to strength from here. But maybe still a little bit green in singles matches like he's been a tag team wrestler for so long. I'm sure that's a part of it. I'm sure it's a part of just the era that we're in right now. The Attitude Era, you, just, you want short matches on TV, get in and out, have either DQ or... You know, get in a couple moves, your finisher, like keep the crowd just, you know, tuned in and hot. A lot of the other matches have like more well thought out stories. This one is just, it's a simple storyline. It works, but it's just people want to see more drama. And that's the previous match where you were seeing 
charismatic Eddie and Chavo do their thing every week. And this nothing's really changed week to week with this. It's just been the same. Yeah. Up until now, everything we've watched has been we know who you're supposed to cheer for. It's very clear. It's very defined. This is more blurred. It could be 50-50 or whoever it is, but the, neither guy has the personality yet to really pull people onto their side. Well, you guys want charismatic layered matches. We have match number four of the night, which is the British Bulldog with Jim Neihart versus Hennig and Rude. And I had to check what company I was watching and what year I was watching when this match appeared. I oh, stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of sucks. I like I like the people involved in this match. All of them are past our heyday, but could probably get some cool stuff in with young guys. But you know what we'll do? We'll really put all their weaknesses in the spotlight by making them all fight each other in perpetuity on nitros and pay-per-views until no one cares about any of them anymore. That's good booking. What just makes us annoying is these guys, the combination of these guys, they fight every episode, every nitro, every thunder, one of these guys are doing some kind of match. They all end the same. They they brawl for a bit, and then Rick Rude handcuffs somebody to the ring. Bret Hart sometimes shows up, sometimes he doesn't. There's your feud. Like it, it gets really, really tiring, and it's just really annoying because Bret like constantly has promos and like backstage pre tapes that he he declares that when he sees injustice in WCW, he'll make sure nobody goes through what he did. Nobody else is going to get screwed in the company. Come on, Bret, where are you? Why, why aren't you with your, your buddies on a big pay-per-view match? You, you think you beat here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to put it right here. We, we don't see Brett in this match at all. And I was super surprised by that as well because they're calling Bulldog and Nyhart the Heart Foundation. And they mentioned that on commentary. Like, they, this is still the Heart Foundation. This is still Brett Hart's guys. I thought they said family. Well, it might have been, fa- been family. Yeah, Apologies. I it think they said family. family. Um, it could be Hart's family. close enough anyway. anyway. Well, neither of them are Hart's either. They're just like I, I, they're, they're in-laws. Like neither of them are actually hearts, but they're making it very clear that these guys are Brett's guys. This is Brett's backup. Brett's nowhere to be seen. Yep, and I thought Brett would be the one that's handcuffed in the beginning as we get into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. They started the match, but but all uh, both teams come out to some pretty bland music. Jim Nyhard, as uh, Fergus pointed out before the the show, what do you call the end of your whole music bland? Oh, yeah. it's gotten bland though. When <laughs> oh yeah, since there's no B theme anymore, I've heard that theme just too. Much. I I can't listen to it anymore. It's it's just yeah, taking the fun out of it. It's still a good one. Let's, it's, let's, no, let's, it's great. Yeah, but that's, uh, when you hear I'm it ninety times in a month, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm giving out today for calling it bland. It's not bland. That's uh, fair. More, more the sure. bulldogs is. <laughs> yeah, Nyhard, as uh, Gus pointed out. Just in some streets and his WWE jacket. He's got lovely Zubaz pants on, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Bulldog Just, pulls those, those kind of pants out like randomly too. I I don't know what these guys are thinking. I don't know what the company's thinking by not buying them some more gear. <laughs> They're quite literally wrestling in the past, I think, Connor. They are just holdovers from a period of time that just doesn't work anymore. I, I got to give credit to like Rude... I love the fact that he wears this like slightly oversized suit. So it's kind of loose and flowy and is a bit exaggerated. So when he makes his movements and stuff, it it, it even adds to it even more. Bobby's great with it when they get handcuffed and he calls, uh, he calls, doesn't it look like it's the, the lawyer with his defendant? <laughs> wow. The, the, to make it clear, it's uh, Nyhard and Rude getting uh, handcuffed together at ringside to make sure Rude can't get involved. We get the patented Nyhard laugh when Rude won't handcuff it. They make such a big 
pony show out of like uh, Rude getting handcuffed. He does the he does it so well, so I can't even be mad at it. Like the handcuffing segment is longer than the match, but you know he sticks oh, his hand in forever. The, he sticks the his hand in the handcuff and then takes it out and goes all the way back to the barricade. He just he hams it up so much so the boys don't have to wrestle that long. <laughs> I do love Rude's complete hammy over the top nature, so I enjoyed this, but it is like. It doesn't gel with the rest of the show at all. <laughs> no, it, it is very 70s, 80s wrestling, you know, more about the spectacle and some old fat lads that maybe have never been able to wrestle. Somehow they get the match started after the handcuffing and Bulldog is somehow already gassed. It's been two seconds of a wrestling match and Bulldog looks like his head is going to blow up and he just kind of works on the knee of Hennig in a very slow plodding manner. But all anyone's watching is Rude continuously trying to just fully slide into the ring, not do anything sneaky, just fully <laughs> slide into the ring while Nyhard just oh. yanks him out by the handcuffs. <laughs> Why hasn't Nyhard just knocked him out? His his pratfall is brilliant, yeah. I have to say, where he gets halfway and then he gets pulled out and he yeah. proper slides away. You could just see him go, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of hurt too. I'm hoping yeah. they are gimmicked handcuffs. They're not. Do you think WCW would think of something like that? They just they just got a local police uh, police station that definitely donates handcuffs. I don't yeah, know what you're talking about. That was the Denver Police Department for sure. <laughs> yeah. that, that was a dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Tony calls them the Detroit policemen. It's like uh, oh, yeah. Denver. I said Detroit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's that's thousands of miles away. But why wouldn't Nyhard just beat the crap out of him? You're handcuffed to Nyhard is supposed to be this mad psychopath, like huge guy, and he's like laughing maniacally, and then he's like, Well, let's just watch the match and see what happens, shall we? Just beat the shit out of him. You've been beating the shit out of each other for weeks. The policeman's there, so he has to be he's like it's like he's in custody. I don't yeah. yeah. Don't want to get Don't arrested. Uh. Nothing else happens in the match. Uh, and Vincent in disguise as a police officer distracts um Nyhard by trying to like get at him. And Rude undoes the handcuffs and handcuffs it to the turnbuckle sneakily like Nyhard can't feel anything. <laughs> like a cartoon, like Nyhard just thinks the turnbuckle's rude. I expected him to do a double take looking at the turnbuckle for a second, you know? Just completely distracts him with shenanigans. <laughs> this distracts the ref somehow. I don't know why it would distract the ref. He doesn't need to look at this at all. Uh, and Rude just slightly holds the leg of the British Bulldog and Hennig throws Bulldog into the top of the ring post and gets a three count. Hennig has a finisher. Did I Why miss something? Just... Like, did something happen? Like, I don't get it. He hit, like, I think it's supposed to be he hit the very top of the ring post, like the metal bit, and that knocked him out. He just has a finisher. Why doesn't he just hit his finish and finish the match? His knee is too hurt. That he could... Yeah, it's, it's not good. This match is terrible. Oh, it's awful. It's so bad. It's so, it's so bad. It's funny, though, I think. Almost so bad it's good. At least most of the, like, the crowd is, like, mostly into some of the bad, like, you know, upper card matches. The crowd is just silent during yeah. this match. So it's it just, get get off my TV, please. Like, it's this a is vacuum. Like, yeah. Like, this is the one feud. Like, I enjoy most of the stuff on WCW. This, I skip. It's all the same. It's all terrible. Like, I, I just, I hope this is done, please. I think it is because I think Bulldog is hurt after this. So, <laughs> it would be very funny if Bulldog did actual zero moves in this match. He just did some knee bars. Then he comes back, he's like, oh, I've tweaked it. <laughs> he does a great, the turnbuckle spot. I do enjoy the turnbuckle spot. The 10 
Oh, yeah, yeah. But he goes down the turnbuckles with each three, stupidly over the top. Also loved the casual racism from the commentary team. Apparently can't tell the difference between Vincent and the other stage yep. prop uh, mm-hmm. cop until it's well past the point where he we've seen his face on camera. Just great job. I think, I'm guessing in theory, Vincent is meant to give keys to Rick Rude, but they can't even seem to show that. So it's all very messy. I I don't know what's going I, on. Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up. It's so funny. I'm like, that's Vincent, right? Like straight away I, when, when he shows me, like, obvious oh, who it is. it's Vincent. <laughs> they don't say it. I'm like, am I being racist? Is that not Vincent? And I'm just calling like a random black guy Vincent. And then they just say it after like 10 minutes. I'm like, it is Vincent. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, it's clearly Vincent. That's I so don't, bad. I don't know what this is supposed to be. It's also like, it's so weird and far removed from the show. You forget two of these guys are in the NWO and the third guy interferes is in the NWO. And you're like, that's not the NWO. What? <laughs> it's, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, awful, awful match. And I'm very glad that we, no offense, but Bulldog is way past it. I'm very glad we don't have to see him after this much. So for the fifth match of the night, very unfortunately, I've been watching the show off of the network to see if I could, there's any other things that have been edited out or music or such. This just wasn't on any recording off the network. So I got to miss one of the the coolest parts of the show that we've been reviewing recently. But luckily, Connor did see the match. And I'm going to throw it to Connor to describe this one. Yay. I mean, any chance to cover a Jericho match, I'm happy. Because, like, Dave, this month we finally get the infamous 1004 holds promo. Oh, wow. It's, it's near and dear to my heart. It's probably one of my favorite of all time. The- have you ever heard Jericho? Obviously, Jericho isn't a great source. He's been known to exaggerate stuff, but have you ever heard his story about it? Uh, I think I've heard a couple of retellings of it, but so it was just share that, with the listeners. They just do it through the ad, right? It goes yeah. on ad, ad midway through the promo, and it comes back, and he's still calling out holds, which is very funny. But he didn't have anything prepared for the crowd, so he only had a couple moves to call out listed. So he just starts calling them out, and like, and you're on commercial. And he just starts jawing with the crowd. He's like, you suck. Your town sucks. Your sports team sucks. And like, you're live. And he's like, oh, and he just starts rattling off moves <laughs> moves again. Yeah. Proper way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was very funny. He's like, oh, shit. And, but he had to do it on the fly. He's like, oh, shit. I, I don't actually have like 30 moves I can go through here. Arm bar. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what makes it even more amazing. Yeah. yeah he just repeats repeats the arm bars. Yeah. yeah. My, my favorite bruise? aspect arm of it bars. is the uh, <laughs> my hold spit. When it gets thrown away, yes. he's like, my holds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, so something about that. Something I didn't know that was the that promo kicked off the few that we're about to watch. So Jericho was going to face off Prince Ikea, who's been on sort of a mini winning streak. We've, we haven't seen Prince Ikea for a while. And I think he had like a tour in Japan or whatever. So like pretty much Prince is the same, same old bland baby face. But I think he plays a good role here. Prince, God damn it. He interrupted Jericho, almost took away his hold. So. Yeah, we're going to have a match after that. Jericho, he just continues adding more signature Jericho-isms. So it's just like this month, he added the mispronouncing other wrestlers' names. Mwah! That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect one with this guy. <laughs> also, not sure if this is like where the he got the idea from, but Raven, he got attacked from two different fans in four days. Oh, wow. So Jericho responded that the security better be protecting him. 
So it's kind of planting the seeds for uh, Ralphus characters. It's kind of, kind oh of cool to see. Goodness. The, the most over character in WCW history. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. The Raven thing is actually really scary. But um, as far as this feud, uh, Jericho called Prince fat, which was kind of comical. And he demanded uh, a weigh in for Prince and uh, <laughs> hit him with a scale. And here we have this match. Nothing fancy. It's just oh, yeah. yeah, Prince is the respectable opponent. He trained at the Malenko Wrestling Academy. So there you go. Yeah, I did like that connection that they bring up and you're like, oh, and he's got this tangential little thread that goes back to Dean. So he's able to fuck with Dean at the same time even more and carry on. It's just really good. Right. And it's like a decent opponent for Jericho to face while Dean is gone. Dean is like still nowhere to be seen. And uh, in the beginning, Jericho dedicates the match to Dean. I want you to want me. He's goofy. You know, I always <laughs> love coming to Denver because there's always thousands of screaming Jericho-holics chanting my name, similar to right now. And I would like to dedicate today's match to our fallen comrade, currently residing in the where they now file, Dean Malenko. And Dean, as you're sitting at home on your couch, eating potato chips and drinking Coca-Cola, you can be rest assured that you can always live vicariously through me, the real man of 1,004 holds, Daddy-O. Thank you. Short but a solid promo, great delivery. Like Jericho, just like he's very confident in what he wants to say and just... He's not stuttering over his words or anything. He he's got it all now. The nonsense uh, bandana or hairband is great as well. Like it's a really subtle eighties hair metal touch. That's the great thing. Like Jericho doesn't go to the well of like his typical things. So like when he comes to the ring, he doesn't keep the belt on. Like we had that shtick for like a month, but now it's like I'm gonna move on from that. As far as the match though, pretty boring beginning. The commentary talk about a lot about the NWO in the beginning. Thankfully, Tanae reels us back in with some stats and some history. So good job, Tanae. It's nice to see, I know we've said it multiple episodes in a row, but another complete character. I, I know uh, Chris has his problems going to WB and some growing pains, but again, no, another fully freshed out guy. He needs still to improve a bit in the ring. I do love his innovation. Literally more gimmicks in a month than Hulk Hogan's had in his entire career. I'll give some props to Prince Ayake, to be fair. I think he's a lot better here than I remembered yeah. from his no, initial run. He pulls off some decent moves. He has that, like, yeah. in my notes, I have the Owen bomb off the apron. Like, it's just the, the Santan off the apron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like he's a lot crisper and he's a bit smoother with w- w- his transitions and stuff. So he, look, he looks a bit more legitimate. He's not like when we saw him against Regal and Ray and so on. Like, he doesn't look as lost in the ring. It, it yeah. He looks like he suits it now. And you're like, okay, this is a guy who can wrestle and he can pull off some stuff. And you could see that he could win. I mean, I don't think it's ever in doubt that he's going to win in this match, but but it's at least, it's more competitive. I'm, I'm sure the pressure was taken off him because he, he doesn't have to carry uh, the emotion at, at all. You know, Jericho's got the story and he's got the crowd in his hand. So like, oh, I just need to perform my duties in the match. I can do that. And I like how Tanae remarks that Prince is, has the emotion on his side. I'm like, have you seen him wrestle? <laughs> Prince shows like some fire, but he's not the most like, emotive guy on your roster probably one of the least ones like i would say benoit emotes more than ayakea does 
couple odd moments from Jericho, though. He does like a terrible jumping nothing from the top rope. I, I hate it when wrestlers do that. Like just try and do a splash, something. It's just, you know, something uh, that looks like you're not just trying to get hit. Yeah. Prince just sticks his foot up. Brain remarks. Imagine getting kicked in the face with those dirty feet. I'm not sure I like that line. That was that's kind of mean brain. <laughs> that is quite mean. Jesus. Numerous lion tamer attempts. Prince gets the ropes for the first time. And both both guys kind of awkwardly stand on the top rope and they, they just kind of fall down. Like today's like, oh, Jericho's gonna try it for his top rope Franken center. No, they just kind of awkwardly fall down. I'm glad yeah, to, nobody to got to the hurt. outside as well. It, it, it's kind of a really unnecessary spot considering the type of match they're doing. Like he just kind of kills himself for no reason. Jericho tries for another Lion Tamer. Prince counters with a roll-up, but crowd actually thought that might end the match. So actually, pretty well done spot there. <laughs> Prince does the Northern Lights suplex, which is actually his finisher. Kind of embarrassing that uh, Jericho doesn't kick out. I have that in my notes. Uh, I remember there's a rope break. So still kind of a lame finisher. Northern Lights suplex. Eh. Again, what year is it? Like, I gotta give this guy something. Yeah. So, because, because, like, even when they had the title, they, he was just winning with like roll ups and stuff. So, I guess Prince is still trying to figure stuff out. In just fairness, steal Chris, all of Jimmy Snooker's moves. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In in fairness, Chris Benoit has uh, been wrestling on the podcast for the entire time, and he doesn't have a finish. Benoit. Yeah. Uh, the headbutt. The crip, crippler. No, the crippler. The crossface. And he has I assume crossface, so. Yeah. It's never ended. A, it's like Brett. It's never ended a match. Uh, Nitro, it ends, uh, Nitro it ends like every match. Oh, okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, you see, we're watching the pay-per-views where he doesn't get to win very much. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, the finish to this match, Prince goes for the sunset flip from the top. Jericho rolls through it. Line tamer sets the knee, gets the win. You know, match was okay. Jericho's charisma carried the match. Uh, nothing like elevated the cruiserweight division, but it's just no. kind of a holdover to get the, the feud going with Dean. Yep. And he steals his trophy. Well, I say trophy. He just... I, yeah. I, I, yeah. He, what would you, what do you call it? I, I forgot to look that up. Like his little, it's like, like a, it's like a lay or like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of nice that uh, I can't remember on the pay-per-view or on the nitros. They've been calling Jericho the collector. Cause he kind of collects the like monikers from the guys he beats. So he has, Ray's mask, Hoovy's mask, it just it keeps So like up. Dave, he 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 takes Prince IOK's I know this is gonna be insulting, but it's like beach towel. <laughs> oh <laughs> That's sure, what sure, it looks sure. like. Like when, when it's Jericho tri- puts tribal it on. garb. Yeah. Um yeah. But, oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah. So like Jericho takes it and puts it on and it looks like he's he's about to get in or out of a shower. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I do like, as you said, Gus, with, with this feud, I love the tread to Dean. Like, keeping Dean in the back of everyone's mind. Will become relevant, obviously. A very, very famous moment coming up soon on the cast. Well, uh, we, we go back to the internet uh, segment. Uh, Dave, did you get this part? Unfortunately not, no. Ooh, Gus, take this away. You, you said you like this segment. Revenge is a dish best served cold. Something about heat, quote the raven. It sucks. Like I just, I hate, I hate his <laughs> promos so much. He talks about DDP or whatever for the evening, and you know Lee Marshall just kind of sits there. I yeah, whatever. I uh, it's Raven. <laughs> it's Raven doing Raven stuff, and yeah, I'm not into it. I miss that. I like Raven stuff. Thank you for uh, filling me in for that one. Uh, uh, Kurt. Sorry. Thank you for filling me in for that Chris. one, Connor. I was going to call you Chris. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for filling me in for that one, Connor. But I'll take it from match number six because it's, oh, it's a complex please, one to get into. Please, get me, get me out of this. <laughs> uh, both Bagwell and Scott Steiner versus Rick and Luger. We've seen this all on the pay-per-view. I can't imagine they've developed it that much more in the Nitros. You can fill us in if they have, Connor. 
But uh, we've seen the split of the Steiners and Scott has become diabolical. And we're seeing him slowly transform into the Scott Steiner that cuts amazing TNA promos and calls his own company shit in a couple of years. I know he doesn't have the chain link yet, but he has the bleach blonde hair, the sunglasses. He has uh, the white singlet, though I think he loses that soon as well. And uh, he's down to the ring first with Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell comes out with the worst looking cast of all time. And it's amazing. <laughs> Commentators note this, yeah. Yep. They note it. They call it a cast at first, but he's just wrapped a bunch of like tape around his hand or whatever. It's so funny. And Buff tells the crowd that he's ready to wrestle. But his lawyer stopped him just before he came out. And he said he can't wrestle without a doctor's pass. He wanted to. He was going to beat people. But he can't. And he's sorry. And he has to leave. And he's like, let's go. And then Scott takes the mic and just makes what's the equivalent of a bunch of fart sounds into the mic. <laughs> like, Buff is so coherent and actually gives quite a good uh, heel promo. You know, that's kind of what he's good at. And Scott just says some nonsense that I barely followed for a sentence. I have no idea why he had to add to it. But this brings out J.J. Dillon, who stops the lads from leaving. And he says he is a doctor here. <laughs> because they needed to check on Macho's cast. So they're redoing the casting. And the doctor is just there. He goes into the ring and he unwraps Buff's, uh, Buff's hand, because it's not a cast, it's just some wrapping. And Buff instinctively like, grabs J.J. Dillon with the injured hand for some reason, and he's busted. He has to wrestle after all. <laughs> is... I, I don't get it. I, I had to rewind it like three or four times. I'm like, <laughs> what? Why did he do that? Yeah, I don't get why Buff reacts like that, but I do like Buff in this role and this like buffoon kind of. I would win the match if I was allowed to wrestle, but I'm not allowed to wrestle, guys. I, I think that's some good shtick for him, but yeah. Definitely bit... an improvement from his nitro antics because he gets real, real quick. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. The, the doctor's also funny, gingerly taking off the wrapping. He's just wrapped it with some paper. It's obviously not a cast, doctor. <laughs> He's doing his job correctly. All right. Also, how would Obviously, the doctor, not, yeah, not a competent doctor. Yeah. Yeah. How would the doctor be able to tell? He just looks at the hand and he's like, and, and I love when, when, when this is, this is a, a great touch to it. When Buff grabs JJ Dillon, JJ isn't just like, I knew you weren't injured. JJ looks at the do- doctor for confirmation <laughs> and the doctor's like, yeah, he can wrestle. <laughs> why do you need the doctor's JJ always the worst part of the pay-per-view <laughs> it's so amazing so incompetent at his job he can't even force the guy that's obviously faking to wrestle just so good and the minute they're told they can wrestle the B team uh, Steiner Juniors I don't know what to call them Luger and the Pleb hit the ring and uh, we get the match started and as soon as the match gets started it's over there's nothing to cover here um, they isolate Rick for a little bit. Luger goes for a rack. About? There's tons to, tons to talk about. <laughs> tons to talk about. Uh, Scott runs away from Rick the minute Rick isn't being like double teamed or worked on. That means that Luger can just get Bagwell up in the rack. Three jobbers and Luger didn't do anything to change my mind about their si- situation or reputation. Yay, we, we finally know who the true total package is. Yeah, <laughs> all the, all the uh. both guys in the ring. This one's for you and me, Dave, because Connor's not going to notice this at all. Rick Steiner looked like the Wow Burger promo material. <laughs> His gear. <laughs> it's, it does, yeah. It's, we have like I don't know. It's it's like an in and out or a shake shack, yeah. whatever, rip off. Oh, okay. And, um, okay. It's just it's, it's, their colors? Are, those colors, yeah. Like okay. 100%. That's the, that's the cardboard boxing so what, color. What bar is is Rick? That, that's, he's a Wow Burger? 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> um, on, on since we're talking about the Steiner brothers gear, uh, Scott really needs to put his uh, whatever it says, Big Papa Pump. I think he actually has Big Papa Pump now, but yeah, not on his groin. Uh, <laughs> it's like the worst spot he could put it. Is he calling himself Superman? What uh, on nitros? No, no, because on his gear it looked like he had the Superman symbol. It was mm. kind of on his back. It's kind of hard to tell because it's airbrushed. It's a, it's a bit. Yeah, I, I tried not to watch this match too intently. I was very bored. And I almost yeah, it's it. totally meh. Uh, I, I really want this to go away. Like the whole point of breaking up Scott from Rick. No offense to Rick, was because Scott is a is going to be a good heel. He does stuff wrong. He's not good at promos, but I think Scott can get over as a heel by himself. So you know what we'll do? We'll stick him in a tag team with Buff Bagwell. To be honest, I can see it though. Buff is all about looking jacked and is a stupid bodybuilder type mentality and whatever. And it fits. I think it would work as a decent tag team. It's just that like Buff is not good enough in the ring and Scott is just losing all his ability at a, at a rapid pace since he's in the last year. Yeah, I would like to see more actually just Buff be Scott's manager. And they'd complement each other well. Scott, I hope, can still go. I haven't seen him do more than the two-minute match recently. But, like, Buff would be a great mouthpiece. Scott would back it up, and they can do the whole, you know, hard-body kind of shtick they've been doing. But they've instead, been they, doing that on, They've been kind of doing that on the Nitros. That's, that's, that's kind of what the dynamic is, yeah. I, I could see that, and then just have, like, Scott destroy jobbers and Buff just brag our ringside. And I think that would work somewhat. I just get, get them away from Rick and Luger. This just isn't meshing at all. Yeah, just have your payoff of Scott versus Rick already, because it's it's already like two months away from that. It's oh just like we, we don't care anymore now. Yeah, it's 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 so they just needed a blow off match. The blow off match needed Scott to win, whether by cheating or not. He, they needed to finish it and have Scott go over. And then yeah, you can put Rick in a different tag team. He's not really a singles guy. Or you could have Rick do some feuds with NWO members. I don't know, but. The whole point of the breakup is Scott is shining, let him shine. And he's kind of getting buried in all this, I think. So uh, important note to bring up here. Buff's neck injury happens three days later. So uh, oh, unfortunate. If, uh, yeah, if you don't know, Buff Bagel has a really bad neck injury from Rick Steiner off a really botched uh, bulldog. It's actually very scary to watch. Gee, no, I've never seen the clip. Don't, don't. Yeah. I mean, it's not oh, as God. bad as like like the Sid clip. Oh, the Sid clip. Oh, my but God. But it's still like just, just watching Buff lie there in pain. It's, it's just life's on the line there. So. Uh, but we'll, we'll see Buff two more times. I believe he's on the Nitro when Goldberg wins the title. We're definitely going to cover that episode. And for sure, he has a match at Halloween Havoc. He teams with Rick Steiner, oddly enough. I, I wonder how <laughs> we get there. Oh, God. Only six months to go to figure out how he gets there. <laughs> it's going to be a completely different company by that point. <laughs> I'll point so, out, since we're on doctors as well, my favorite line is Bobby, nothing to do with the match itself. Is So Buff is walking down to the ring with his cast, and I think Tony goes, what, what kind of doctor put that on? Put it on. <laughs> and Bobby just says, does the word quack mean anything to you? <laughs> 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 Bobby's just, just having me. so much fun yeah. with this this episode there's so many little lines like that i don't know if he's in a particularly good mood or like he has to take over from dusty because there's two straight guys but uh yeah he's been fantastic but uh from one match with three jobbers to one with two jobbers we're having less jobbers in the ring we have la parka versus psychosis and this was just 
as commentary let us know, was just thrown into the match uh, pay-per-view randomly, to which I say, of course it was, duh. Like, why the hell would this match just be in the middle of a pay-per-view? Yeah, great way to put this match over from the beginning. Yeah. I think there's a flimsy, they're like, technically they, they've been tag team partners that haven't got along in the past. But yeah, the Parker just nails everyone with, with chairs. Why would you ever team with him? Like he's certainly nailed multiple tag team partners with chairs. That's, there's not much to go into this match, really. The Parker does a lot of dancing, which really, sadly, because both guys do try, gets a huge pop, and every move is just met with silence beyond that. It's weird. Yeah, like, like eerie just, silence. I don't know if the, the crowd's just tired or if it's just like these two guys are kind of heels as well. And just like they're not they're quite jobbers, but they're like a slight step above. So they're just like it's just weird to have these guys in particular on the show just randomly. But just like split like a moonsault from to the outside by La Parca, Just no reaction. Cricket. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big guy. It's like an it's an impressive move, and none of the moves are bad. There's not many botches, but yeah, there's, there's no fire around the match. But I felt the same. I was watching it, maybe because the crowd isn't into it, it affects me. But I was bored. Like I didn't care. I know the guys I'm not keep the trying too. That's the other yeah. thing. They, they could just cut it short. Nope. The guys keep like well, maybe this spot will get over. Mm. Yeah, both these guys are just insanely athletic. Even again, La Parker for a bit of an oversized guy and. They don't care. There's like these insane Rana spots by Psychosis, like walking the ropes into Ranas, jumping backwards into a Hurricane Rana, which seems like the most dangerous thing to do and uh, gets it. After a big splash uh, that Psychosis misses, the Parker goes for the pin, but then picks Psychosis up after two. But if you're going to pin him after a missed splash, like you didn't even do a move, you're not being cocky. Why bother pinning him in the first place? Brain seems so angry at this. Yeah, like, <laughs> so <laughs> legit angry. Not, not just yeah. like, oh, you, you did. Well, you had the man beat or whatever, but he was just like, come on, get this yeah. over with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Parker does an Alabama slam, huge one. Like you can see, Psychosis's head bounce off the ring, and he does the you know only two count. I'm not done with him, but there's no animosity in this feud. To me, who doesn't see the Parker week to week? He's just this huge cartoon character that makes horrible decisions the entire time. Is that a good way to describe La Parca? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's what he's going for. Yeah. La Parca gets caught taunting on the second rope, but then he gets drop kicked and kind of tangled, but he's very clearly not tangled. He could just move his legs. I hate this spot so much. And Yuvi hits like a leg drop from the top rope onto La Parca, who can't Move his legs off the rope to move out of the way. They're just resting on the ropes. I think you said Hoovy. It was psychosis, but oh, psychosis! Eh. I said Hoovy. Yeah, eh. I did. Eh. Whatever. Yeah. It could have been Hoovy. It could have been Hoovy. You're showing the same amount of uh, care as the WCW company probably yeah. did. So, which is yeah. which is a shame. I mean, the guys tried. It was it wasn't like a botch fest or anything. It was fine. Yeah, it was just n- not their weird fault spot for the match. Fine match. Just no one cared. And I, there is something weird about the match, and I didn't care. And it felt a little forced. And I, I'm not a fan of a Parker, okay? Like, I, I've tried, I've tried to get onto yeah, the memeiness yeah, yeah. of him. If he dances, I just want, the one thing I will say is I want people to hit him. So I want to see the Parker matches because I want to see him potatoed. He annoys me so much. You know? <laughs> because the match is so lacking in heat and so bland in that, that sense, it made me pick out things that don't make logic. And this is the kind of like stupidly anal thing that, like, for the grand scheme of things, whatever, it's wrestling. But, so Laparka takes his glove off so he can yeah. chop psychosis. I think it's chop or punch, whichever. It's the whole it's point a of slaps, it anyway. The big is. overhand slaps. Yeah. yeah. The logic there is that 
by taking off his glove, he does more damage to his opponent. So if that's true, why does Leparka ever wear gloves? Just looks and cool, man. It's that kind of <laughs> it's that kind of th- point where the match is so boring and not engaging me that I get to that kind of thinking. I'm like, yeah. no, this shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be thinking about this uh, breaking of of illusions. I, I thought of that as something as well, which I haven't noted and point out. But Leparka spits at a psychosis. And two things happen here. One, I don't know if he can spit through that gap in his mask. Let's assume he can. I don't think he could, but let's assume he can. Then Psychosis just doesn't sell it. He looks angry for a second, and he's like, oh, okay, I guess that just happened. It's like, whatever, it didn't it hit my attire. It's not like it hit my, my bare chest. So. Yeah, which yeah. which is a pretty good reaction, I guess, to spit. Now, not also, I got a bit of anxiety because of the current climate we live in. I'm like, oh, mm. don't do that to each other. <laughs> but they're wearing masks, Dave. They're, they're following the guidelines. <laughs> and in a lot of that match, they are socially distanced. So, yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> ahead of the times yeah ahead of the, yeah stuff like that he's like he spit at him and i'm like and gus is right i'm so uninterested in the match i'm just finding myself thinking i'm like no way you could spit through that mask and for points of the match i'm looking intently at the parka's mouth gap i'm like no way he could spit through that. <laughs> it is a fair thing to bring up i think just like we've seen a downturn in the lucha like match in general i think part of it is just like the other mid card is like has gotten more entertaining. So when you have Goldberg, Jericho, Eddie, stuff, stuff like that, like the bar has been set higher now. And WCW yeah. just hasn't done like, here's the Lucha match now. Because like now we have, we have more time. So they've had to like sprinkle in the Lucha guys as like jobbers to other guys. So it's just like we, we don't have like the Lucha time where we have 10 minutes for these guys. I, I think it's hurt the, the Lucha stock like very, very much. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's anything going on with Triple uh, A at this point. I, I have no idea. But yeah, I, I think you've hit the... Now on the head there, Gold, we've seen with the Goldberg opening match as well. They're just not needed. Like It was such a spectacle to have these guys, but now they just have the best of them. Like They have Ray, and they have Hoovy, and they have Psychosis, so they can just fight normal. I say normal, that's offensive, but like normal American wrestlers. They don't need all the luchadors to come over. They have Conan and the NWO. They can just heat them up and have them fight. And then they have people like Goldberg, who are now also fantastic openers. So they have their own homegrown, good opening matches. So they just don't need the all of the random <laughs> AAA guys no one's heard of to come in. You yep. know? Do we move on from this uh, this jobber fest to uh, whew, another entrancing brawl? Match number eight of the night: we have Hogan and Nash of the NWO versus Piper and Giant on a baseball bat on a pole match. And we finally got here. I need you to to guide me through the nitros to the importance of that baseball bat, how taut out it is, how layered and important it is to the storyline that it's on a on a pole. Can you fill me in on that one? Not sure I can fill in the pole. <laughs> Piper, like he insists that the baseball bat is a problem in WCW. I guess I don't know. Particularly, was it really that big of a problem? I mean, the NWO Giant definitely attacked by it before, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, like, it's more like a sting thing. So it's like, is he attacking stings? Like, weapon of choice? You know, it's just Piper being Piper, really. Just, I wanted why wouldn't, he hit to him, have why wouldn't they just hit him with something else? That's cooler. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's so they can make baseball puns for like the next month, which I'm just get off my network. Like, just. <laughs> I think oh, they so bring up like three of them in this pay per view, and I hate them from one 
to the last one. It's like, we have big sluggers here. I'm like, I get it. They're wrestlers, but they have a baseball bat. That's funny, <laughs> I guess. I mean, they're really going to strike out. I'm like, does that mean they're going to miss with their shots or they're going to hit their shots? I, the I am no, sense. I am going to be no better here, Connor, but I think it's deserved because Bobby hits a home run out of the park <laughs> right from the beginning when he uh... says, when I heard it was going to be a bat match, I thought it was going to be a fight between two of Oakland's exes. Mm. <laughs> and genuinely, it breaks like Tony breaks. I have <laughs> like. It's so good. He's he hit the mute button there. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. Maybe that's just what uh, Brain was going to do all night. Just break the guys, pop the pop the boys. Yeah, and yeah, we have we have a serious match here. You know, like it. And I, yeah, honestly, it should just be it should just be a normal tag match. We we, we do we do not need the bad thing at all. So it's because like we have an interesting storyline with Nash and Hogan. Can they coexist? Blah blah blah. Yeah, there's yeah. already drama here. You can already bring right. in the weapons if you want. Like the, the, the on the pole. I also hate pole matches at all of any type. I've never enjoyed any of them. Because <laughs> they're do- not good. They're yeah. terrible. Like, WWE Ever. gets eventually, they get the pink slip on a pole match. It's you're fighting for your papers. It's just so fucking tacky, even at the time. Even as a kid, I'm like, this is the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. I have to give, uh, I have to laugh at Roddy booking himself in a match versus three other people whose minimum height is six foot six <laughs> and the match centers around whether or not somebody can get to a bat high up above yeah the structure for the bat is made in a way which only giant could easily reach the bat when I mean, you're just asking for a mistake it's also like i remember someone saying it's like duct tape to the side of the ring basically so they weren't sure if that could support people's weights to climb up they didn't know they didn't test it it's just so it's so stupid. They put it up so high. I'm like, this is asking for one of the lads to like lean against or climb it and it just collapses. <laughs> You're just asking for a wrestler to get seriously injured on live television. You know, it's it's so stupid. Luckily, it barely comes into play. Everyone just forgets about it. You thought it was gonna be like a mad dash for it, but we'll get into that in a second. Something I wanted to note was um the NWO's entrance, I like that they're separate. One, it shows a bit of like dissension in the ranks. Two, it'd be very stupid to pay for a voodoo child and not use it every night you can. Mm-hmm. Truth. <laughs> we do have Piper and um, and Giant coming out together. And this is so stupid, but I was thinking to myself, how amazing would it be if they got a Giant kilt? So Giant and Piper matched. <laughs> they didn't do that. That's a yeah. That's a missed opportunity. That is a right. That's what I thought. I mean, it would be so cool. But uh, they uh, they come out together, which again I like contrasting the heel and face team. But it kind of also underlines that Giant still doesn't have an entrance. He still doesn't have like his own music. He's also gained a ton of weight. Holy cow! Yeah, which they bring up. <laughs> I always feel for the guy, even even until the end of his career, which is probably soon. The man fluctuates in weight so much and he goes from being like very athletic to very overweight like he swings by massive amounts i think it's is it a year or two years from now he jumps over oh next year 99 yeah 99. it's less than a year to him leaving yeah he it's pretty is, much less than a year yeah when he leaves he's huge do you guys remember his wbf debut debut yeah. oh yeah i watched it live yeah yep. oh that's cool but he's very big. Like I, I thought it was longer because I thought, you know, he's much further on in his life if he's that big when he debuts for WWF, you know. Piper straight away uh, goes for the pole and the commentary pointed out, and it was the exact thing I was thinking, 
why is the smallest man in the ring the first man to run for it? And that builds into Roddy's stupid character. You know, he's a wild man thing. But if the NWR were distracted, why not have Giant just take two steps and reach it? Because he definitely could. <laughs> Details. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I always hated that, like, Giant and Nash and stuff are built up as these world beaters. Like, you need two, three people to beat Giant. Why does he never start the tag team matches? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think this is like no DQ match as well. So it's, I, it's, I was going to ask this as well. Yeah. Is it no DQ? I don't know. Yeah, commentary uh, definitely doesn't know because they, <laughs> when Hogan hits uh, Hyper in the balls, yeah. yeah, there's just a pause. Is this a DQ match? You can tell that they're talking with each other. Or when they when he takes off his belt, you're like, uh, right. The, uh, that one I can give because that one's like generally yeah. accepted. Yeah. This match breaks down very simply. Piper goes for the bat. He gets punished for doing so. They forget the bat exists for the rest of the match. Hogan takes off his belt, and the majority of the match is the wrestlers whacking each other with Hogan's belt. Hogan is up on the top turnbuckle. Sorry, sorry, I stand a little corrected. Hogan does acknowledge the, the bat here. It goes to the top turnbuckle, and the giant spanks him with the weightlifting belt, which is I a little... I cannot believe that happened. Weird at first. That's what his it hand, gets man. weird. It gets weirder. Now he does it with the belt first. He like pulls oh, down right, Hogan's yeah. pants first and hits his ass with the thing. I'm like, that's already weird, but that, it's a funny, weird spot. Okay, I get it. And then he puts Hogan over his knee like a child and spanks him with his hand. This must be a weird fetish on a website somewhere. This old man getting spanked <laughs> by giant. And yeah. it's so off-putting. I, I'm surprised he let him do that. Like maybe maybe it was a rib. I doubt of what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If Wrestling anything, it's probably him going, here. see, I will sell for people kind of thing. <laughs> mm, it's a very like seventies fucking, well, I guess in the attitude era, every woman had this done to her. Like every heel woman had this done to her, but like, it's a very weird, like old gimmicky spot. But like, I don't think Hogan, I don't even think you'd do this because men just didn't get spanked. I mean, <laughs> I mean this it's, is a match we're watching with Hogan and Piper and Piper who does the fucking head or bell ringer spot thing repeatedly in this. Like they are in the past and there's so much stalling in this match. Yeah, it's it's so many weird spots. And they they, they do, yeah, they're just stalling. They have like two spots taught out. One of them which is apparently spanking, and the other is the stuff with the bat at the end and they're just filling time in between and have nothing to do. One of the things I'll point out is that they do have a follow-up from Giant and Nash. And this is another another thing I was going to bring up in relation to the cool heel stuff. Because a heel doesn't willingly ask to fight somebody. That's not how a heel is supposed to be. And Kev Kev gets in the ring and like Roddy's getting ready to fight. And he's like, no, no, no. Go tag your guy. I want to wrestle him instead. And you're like, the crowd reacts very favorably to that. And you're like, okay, he's not really a heel anymore. Now, to be fair, that kind of stuff is going on, so it does make a bit of sense. But it is still Kev, so Kev's probably in business for himself at that point. I, um, I think in the back of Kev's mi- mind, and I don't think it's booked like this, but I think in the back of Kev's mind, he thinks he's going to be the fa- like he knows a breakup's coming, right? Like he know I don't course, know if they yeah. know know it officially, but he knows that something's going to happen. Like this isn't working for them anymore. So I think he's tried to position himself as very cool babyface or anti-hero. And that's kind of what the Wolfpack becomes, right? The Wolfpack are kind of the anti-heroes of the 
the NWO and the young guys. And a lot of his actions in this match, like early on in, in the feuds, he was kind of cowardly and he did less work and that kind of worked for his character. But in this match, he does a lot of cool stuff and he does come out on top and he doesn't get spanked. So that's always cool. Yeah, he definitely got himself protected there. Uh, <laughs> there is yeah. that, again, losing logic and Bobby even points it out. You're like, they rushed the ring, uh, Roddy and the Giant and Hogan and, and Kev Bale to re- regroup or whatever and you're like guys get the bat like you can clearly get the bat right now <laughs> why aren't you getting the bat and they're just kind of standing around and nothing really happens and then they just kind of go back to having a tag match again and you're like oh so this stipulation is completely pointless as to what's going on uh, <laughs> yeah I, I know it's probably a newer type of match for a bunch of them but it's obviously not like no time has been taught into like really uh so every match. Hogan main event match. <laughs> yeah, like it's like here's the two spots I want to do. What do you want to do between it? We'll wing it when we're out there. You're notoriously bad at winging it. We'll wing it when we're out there. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Honestly, I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, like it feels like it. It feels like there's two spots planned and everything else is Hogan going. Let's go old school, brother. And like that wrestling hasn't been relevant in 22 years. Hogan. Well, that's all I know. And like this this match builds up to Nash getting drop kicked out of the ring with by Giant. And I know he probably doesn't pull this out on the nitros, but I'm starting to get a bit sick no. of his drop kick. He does, not, he doesn't. It's actually not that good of a drop kick. I know it's impressive because he's big, but it's not that good of a drop kick. And if he keeps pulling it out again and again, it's not special. He's done it like in nearly all his pay-per-view matches. So it's it's starting to get a little annoying. But he drop kicks Nash out. And Hogan gets put to sleep with a sleeper, which is kind of funny. Why didn't that end the match? Like, it is just a submission and pin match, and you just made that man unconscious, but okay. And Piper climbs again instead of Giant just getting the fucking bat. But Giant, like, helps him by standing behind him gingerly. I thought they were going to do, like, put Piper on Giant's shoulders. Like, that would be kind of cool. And then maybe there's a nasty They did that in the Nitros, too. Like, they did a whole promo where... Piper sat on Giant's shoulders, although Giant had to put him down like mid promo. He's like, I'm so tired. Like, <laughs> I have to put you down. You're but yeah, like, man. <laughs> it was a cool, like, it's a cool visual having the guy like on your shoulders, just like. Yeah, but he doesn't. He just kind of rests his hand on his back so he doesn't I fall, I guess. Yeah, and then, of course, because neither man is looking at their opponents who are just right there, Giant eats shit. Nash knocks him off the top rope. And Hogan grabs Piper down, but throws the bat away. Then Disciple comes down to the ring. I'm, I'm reading this as if it's the first time I saw it, but I've recently seen it and it hurt my eyes. Disciple comes down and gives Hogan another bat, but he just had a bat. Why does it? Anyway, Hogan uses... This is uses, a super loaded bat, obviously. <laughs> he uses it on Giant, hits him in the back, which murders Giant, is actually unconscious. <laughs> he then goes to hit Piper in the hip, and they kind of point at the hip, which is a nice callback to the initial feud. Yeah. But instead hits Nash in the stomach. Ooh, NWO descent. Ooh. It looks like he actually hits him proper, too. Yeah, he just nails him in the stomach, I'm pretty sure. Piper chases Hogan with the bat, but the disciple stops Piper from swinging completely and then throws the original bat to Hogan. Good catch. That would have been quite embarrassing if you dropped it. And then no Hogan hits Piper in the back with the bat for the tree count. Super convoluted. I'm not sure why Hogan needed to throw away the initial bat. I don't know if it's not no DQ, but I'm not sure why like Disciple couldn't just hit Piper with the bat. Let's say it was DQ, I guess. And also, bats have been broken over people before, and they've just kept wrestling. 
why is this bat shot so special and takes Piper and Giant acts like he's been shot. Like he sells the bat shot so much and he just lays there for like five minutes. After the match, Nash shouts at Hogan but uh, forgives him pretty sharpish. He's like, oh, you're a good guy, Hogan. You're known for being such a nice guy. He goes to Jackhammer Giant but then Hogan hits Nash. Why? <laughs> just like lays him out. And then Giant breaks the bat to show that he's a strong boy and everyone runs away, including a lot of the fans to Raw, I imagine. This one hurt my brain. I mean, as far as storyline-wise, I mean, of course Hogan's going to hit him with the bat because he doesn't like Nash. But doesn't he, isn't the whole thing like you're fighting Macho already? Why do you want Nash to be against you as well? It's because he, 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 he brought the true comments against him. He, he, <laughs> he would say Hogan promos are boring. He said what we all think, man. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah that's true he, he shot from the hip a lot maybe it was kayfabe maybe he's already nailed him with the bat i'll show you can't promo bam yeah it's 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 a ludicrous match whatever it's just it's not a really much to say to yeah it's just a storyline match so uh, in that sense i'm fine with it because we've seen other kind of matches like this and it matters nothing to the overall storyline but this one actually did something and we're we're finally moving this one that's been teased for four months like we're finally moving somewhere so yeah. I, I'm happy with it. Just get over with it. Yeah. The actual yeah. execution is a bit wonky and stuff like all the stuff you're pointing out makes sense. Like, I guess the only other one I can think of is like, why Why did he wait? Why didn't he wait until Nash actually powerbombed the giant so he could like be properly out cold and then yeah. knock out Kev? But mm. that that's a minor detail. But like storyline wise, I think it's fine. It moves things along. Hogan has clearly demonstrated he's paranoid about being in control. And being the champion and being the one on the top, and he obviously has that going with Randy, but he has it. He's obviously going to think of that of everybody else who's beneath that's him fair. in the pecking order. So, I think that's fine. Uh, there's probably an element of Kev stealing the spotlight somewhat. Right. That's that's what I was going to get to. And like it's power bombing giant is a spectacle, and that's yeah, kind of stealing the spotlight. And he's Always also telling him to do it. He's also like his move is banned. You're not supposed to be able to do that, and. He's fighting all the power and that kind of thing and whatever. But he's also a founder. That's the other part of it. Macho is just an eternal feud between the two of them. Yeah, Everybody yeah. knows that they don't like each other, whatever. But Kevin is one of the, the main guys, like Connor says earlier. It's him and, and Hall. And realistically, they're the ones that started it and then brought in Hogan. It really, the NWO is those two guys. And you can argue how important Hogan is in storyline, whatever, but out of storyline. So I think it's perfectly logical that he would be like, nope, I don't want anybody else doing my spotlight. That's fair. That's fair. I'm probably overthinking it a little. I also would have liked to see the visual of Nash hit a jackknife, stand up all happy about it, and then get whacked, like get the bat broken over him. Yeah. That would have been kind of cool. I, I hate, they've done this a lot with the Giant recent. they drop him out, but almost as a consolation prize, like, oh, but you stand tall at the end, Giant. You break some stuff and people are scared of you. And it stopped meaning anything because he then just loses his next match again. So him being like this unstoppable force is just wrong. He just gets pinned loads. He just gets jobbed out to the main eventers all the time. Yeah, and he gets stuck with Piper. Yeah, so it's just all around poor Giant through all this. I, I'm starting to understand why he moved. Like uh, Initially, I never really got why he moved to WWE, and I think a, a lot of points in his career, he doesn't get a fair shake. There's probably a lot of points in 
both companies where he could have been champion longer and he's a great spectacle and not a bad in-ring big guy, to be honest, like especially later in his career. But yeah, he's just kind of treated like shit, like shit a lot of the time. He's just a jobber to the stars and by his accounts didn't get paid half as much as any of them, which is, uh, yeah, he is still like in his 20s or whatever. But I, He's lost in the shuffle here. Yeah, he, but not not only lost in the shuffle, but his credibility every week is going down, right? When's the last time he won? Like, he won a tag team match in a pay-per-view a while ago, right? He's, he chokes um, Scott Hall that one time. That was a lot of fun, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's usually what the people want to see. They just want to see the joke slam. But I, I, I definitely, I get it, and I agree with you. His yeah. stock has definitely fallen. I am waiting for his heel turn <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I actually thought it was going to come sooner. I'm surprised they've held out this long, so. Uh, props to them. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot longer than WB has ever kept in one way or another. So, match number nine, kind of jarring. We're going from kind of a bunch of main event guys to mid carders. We have competitor number one that's certainly going to lose to Goldberg if he wins the match, and competitor number two that's certainly going to lose to Goldberg if he wins the match in a Ravens Rooms match. <laughs> would you it's not DD- argue that maybe DDP would be good enough to beat him? I, I don't think anyone's. I, I don't think uh, Jesus himself is beating Goldberg on the run he's on at the yeah, moment. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure Hogan would beat him if they put him up this <laughs> this early. <laughs> he needs. And he needs Kev the heat brother. He, need, he needs the heat brother. <laughs> Piper, I'd say, he could probably finagle his way into. I was about to say, yeah, man. Imagine Piper politicsing that. I want that Goldberg streak. I need it to get over. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's DDP, the current uh, U.S. champion, versus. Raven and a Ravens rules match. These guys have kind of been going at it, like with Chris Benoit and stuff involved for a while. Uh, has this developed much on Nitros, Connor? This is probably the most active feud, I would say, over the month, and it's it's been really enjoyable. I, the, the highlight, there's a music video that Raven and DDP and the flock were in. They never uh, knew about this. I, I forgot, but it happened le- the previous month, too. I should have mentioned it. But I'm glad I kind of saved it because, yeah, this feud has been kind of like inter- injected into kind of the MTV crowd. So there's two two instances where they 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 are involved with music. So I'm, I'm props to WCW for being kind of this conscious with pop culture. So so the, they're in a music video by Stuck Mojo. Uh, DDP is like a part of the announcing crew. And then like Raven and the Flock, they throw like fans in the crowd. Like it's actually kind of a fun music video. But the other thing is DDP is on the set of MTV Live with Carson Daly and the Foo Fighters. Wow. That's so 90s, and I love it. Like, that's just a really <laughs> the most cool 90s thing. sentence anyone's ever said. Yeah, particularly the Carson Daly one. <laughs> I know, I know. It's weird to see young Foo Fighters, too, young Dave Grohl. You, D- Dave Grohl has already grown up, hasn't he? He was a, he was a very weird looking dude when he was younger. He's, Look, uh, just call it what it is. He was a dork, Dave. That's he was a dork. He was a complete <laughs> yeah. dork when he was younger. And, th- and this was short hair, Dave. Dave Grohl oh too, God, so. the worst, the worst iteration <laughs> of Dave Grohl. But if, yeah, for this, uh, Raven joins via satellite TV. Cuts a promo about like, what about me? What about Raven again? The, so the usual stick here. Raven comes out of nowhere and hits DDP with a stop sign from behind, Ooh. and then DDTs him through the table. Foo Fighters are like running away laughing. It's it's actually kind of a <laughs> hilarious thing to watch in in context. But this is when uh, Raven steals the U.S. title, and which is uh, Dave's favorite gimmick. Oh, my favorite. That They own it now. They're definitely the champion. That's definitely how it works. That's mm-hmm. why I was world champion for a couple of days when Jericho lost the AEW title. So, so I mentioned last, last month that Raven like cut like a, a really in-depth promo about like their, their past and whatever. They carried those threads a lot more into this month. So there's a lot more back and forth about their past and how like Raven had to spend time in ECW 
kind of alludes to it that it's like a garbage company that he had to like suffer through it. <laughs> it's probably kind of right. It's probably kind of right because I mean, you know, when you have to bleed and stuff like that, when they when the fans are so bloodthirsty, I, I can kind of get that. So I get that, but he was Johnny Polo until then. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> DDP does bring that into like like you're you're growing up a rich like a rich kid, and you're you're just crying about all this stuff. Like I've I've worked hard, you know. Typical, like I'm the I'm the people's champ. Like I've earned my way through this. All that back and forth. It's just a really effective feud. Really good promo work by by everybody. Just I think these are the two most over acts as far as like upper, upper mid card. I was really excited for this match. I think their styles probably mesh pretty well. Or I thought before going into the match, their styles probably mesh very well. And you do have kind of a very typical hero, anti hero character, and then this grungy moany. I know his gimmick's kind of being ruined by the rich boy <laughs> fucking stuff, but... As far as their looks, though, like, yeah, they yeah. totally fit in. Like, when they're in that music video and when they're on MTV, they fit in great. Out of, out of the people, on anyone on the roster, they are the most up-to-date with current or the, the current at the time affairs and, like, styles. They, like, they look like they're from that era. They're wrestlers from that era. And when you say they're on MTV, I'm surprised they got so much exposure, like, mainstream exposure, but... It makes sense. They are very MTV crowd based guys. They they just like DDP's music is just smells like Teen Spirit. Like Ravens uh, Ravens finisher is just named after a very famous song at the time. It's the Even Flow, right? It makes it more disappointing that maybe these guys weren't. I know DDP's about to go into some main event stuff, but weren't pushed harder sooner. And on top of the card is Hulk Hogan and the, the Giants. You know, throwbacks from the eighties. I think I'll disagree with you. I think this is like the proper place for them. And I yeah. think this is just like there's there's this is made to be a big deal. I mean, this match is after Hogan. That is true. They're finally given the credits where it's due, and obviously the, the, the winner has to face Goldberg. So I think it's the, the proper time, just because also Ravens he's the best heel in the company. I think that that's fair. Uh, I um, I do think it's huge that they went after Hogan. I, w- I wonder how that even occurred. I don't know, man. It's, it's probably to give them enough time before what happens ah, later yeah, if i true. had to guess that's true. Um, because it, mm. the the actual booking is really poor to when you think about it to have they've essentially run three no dq matches in a row which just yeah. doesn't make any sense no uh, but i do agree with connor as well i think this is pretty much the spots where both these guys should be i think they fit for where they are but i don't think i would push them any harder than this not right I, now. I think i think i can agree with you guys on raven he doesn't need to be any higher up the card like as you said his flock just gets the feud with anyone in the mid-card they want because they're so big and sprawling and it's just like constant threat to any of the faces in the mid-card. But I, I think DDP is probably... Well, he, he is going to get run with. We're going to see that in our timeline. But DDP should have been on the moon half a year ago, a year ago. I think he should have been the big threat to WCW. But I, I get why he was pushed back and the advent of Sting and stuff like that. Uh, but this match is... Uh, I think this match is okay for a kind of brawly... Match. It looks like DDP, even though I wouldn't associate him with the style, has been in a lot of these kind of brawl matches over the last couple months. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah, on, on the nitros, he definitely has more uh, regular matches. Uh, yeah, for some reason, the pay per views he has all these like garbage matches, which is weird. One thing I, I'm I'm glad they they fix though, or they've introduced is the pyro timed up with him saying "bang" and just yeah. like exploding, not just like farty prom or farty farty promo <laughs> not just farty uh, pyro that's like the essential part of of ddp when i when i think about his entrance yeah that's true yeah the uh the start of the match is pretty 
pretty Raven-esque sick boys in the ring straight away, holding up DDP uh, for a ti- to get hit by the title. He ducks and Raven hits sick boy, and he takes control of the start of the match, getting the crowd really into it and really hot. Early finisher exchanges, both finishers are kind of billed as out of nowhere. We're used to Diamond Cutter being billed like that, but they're starting to uh, build an even flow DDT as this like, really fast high impact finisher, which in fairness it is, I think Raven throws a pretty DDT. Boatmen brawl to the outside and they scale the stagecoach next to the entrance ramp. Raven gets thrown off the top into a bunch of uh, a pile of hay bundles. And the ref. And the ref. <laughs> it's yeah. Brian Hildebrand, so and, uh, he's not in the best shape of his life either. <laughs> no. And uh, DDP jumps off with like a weird axe handle. I think he kind of bailed halfway through the jump. I think it was supposed to be like a crossbody. Terrible but pun. He, Terrible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he kind of he's scared and he kind of goes for an axe handle and runs awkwardly on Raven. It's it's actually kind of lucky it doesn't land on like Raven's head or like on one of his legs or something. Uh, this turns out to be like really similar to the Bash at the Beach Sullivan Benoit match, where they just throw each other through all of the stage crap. They just break shit over each other. People get Irish whipped through the fences. Uh, DDP suplexes Raven onto the internet nerd area, which I didn't know was like not backstage, it was just like next to the stage. That spot looked really bad, by the way. Yeah, it looked real dangerous. Again, DDP bailed. So he's supposed to suplex him, but then realizes there's a gap between the stage they're on and the internet area. So if he suplexes him, he's just going to fall into the gap and fuck up his back. So instead of maybe not doing the move or just throwing Raven over there, he just kind of fucks Raven over his shoulder and lands him on the table. Like DDP really takes a dangerous risk there, but it looked like they ended up okay. The spot just ends up looking really bad. I love how Tony says he's he says he's gonna suplex him on the website. I was like, on, on the, the actual website, website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's our website. Keep it safe. <laughs> Lee Marshall isn't happy about the situation. He's so animated in such a cartoonish way. It's so funny. Back in the ring, and we get the old W ECW. Oh, trope. sorry. Before we get back to the ring, oh, I'd like to point out their supposed VIP luxury boxes. Whoever paid for those are getting ripped off big time. <laughs> Like, it's right at the back of the arena, behind the entranceway. There's no direct eyesight. Yeah, (laughs) like, who would do such a thing? Also, it's just some tables. Like, it actually looks like a magic tournament. (laughs) They they had (laughs) them at a a magic tournament for a while. It was a VIP area. And what was in it is sometimes some snacks and water and just some, like, curtains between you and the dregs. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) They have uh, charging stations too. (laughs) They do have charging stations. I'm very sorry, Connor. You're correct. (laughs) I wonder if the ECW crowd had any, uh, sorry, the WCW VIPs had any chargers back then. Back in the ring, we got a ECW trope where the kitchen sink is used. You can't say they they didn't use the kitchen sink. Raven smashes it off DDP's back, and the actual faucet bit goes like flying off. That looks like it hurt quite a bit. DDP gets choked by a cowbell on a rope. Just real brawly fucking public enemy crap happening. Yeah, now. I think that this is the exact moment where in my notes I have, where's Dusty when you need him? Yeah, yeah. this is exactly the same for me. Yeah, Imagine how much <laughs> Dusty would have loved the cowbell, guys. Oh, yeah. The cowbell! And the carriage, like the, the stagecoach. Come on. Do you think he was just peeking through the curtains backstage? Like, oh, they're going to use the bell? <laughs> Raven gets dropped whole holding onto a sink. Again, a classic of our Raven matches. His karma coming to meet him. He always sells like he's lost an eye from the exchange. Kidman tries to break up the pin. 
uh, with a splash, but hits Raven instead. The numbers game does eventually uh, catch up a DDP, and he uh, sick boy hits him with a crutch for a two count. I do like Tony says um, he's been hit by a crutch before, which is like the most wrestling thing ever <laughs> at that point. Be like, yeah, so he's used to getting hit. Is is that what you're trying to convey, Tony? That it's <laughs> it doesn't hurt him as much or something? I don't know. He's got the experience, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know it, how to take the hit. That comment, I think, leads back to a lot of what they believe, and we'll get into it in the main event. Back then, I think they still believed DDP's win over Macho was huge. And I'm not saying it was small, but they refer back to that feud so many times and the fact that DDP got a win, even if he didn't completely win the feud. And that's a callback to that. Macho hit him with the crutches. <laughs> like it's becoming a huge part of DDP's character. And I know we probably underestimated a bit, but I think even then the fans knew that Macho wasn't that big of a deal anymore. Hammer goes for a flying crowsline, but also hits Raven. Raven is getting <laughs> fucked about by the flock in this match. He's got hit by them like three times. He needs to hire better goons. He does need better <laughs> goons. They're missing all the time. It's like a Star Wars Ooh, movie. Hired goons. Hired goons. <laughs> DDP disposes of him, no pun intended, uh, with the sink. Raven calls in Reese. I, have we seen Reese before? A really big member of the flock? Not on pay per view, I th- yeah. think. I don't think he's been on yeah. pay per view. He does a double handed choke, uh, choke slam bomb, I think they're called. Uh, Prince Albert used to have it as a finisher. Mm, yeah, uh, I like that move. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it was that very, move a lot. Very safe. Uh, yeah they are it's very safe but because the big guy goes down with you there's like a really big impact a big tud you know uh raven covers ddt but ddp kicks out at two so just no sells what i assume is reese's finisher but also reese doesn't really know what to do whether to stay in the ring so he just kind of awkwardly looks at it and and leaves (laughs) (laughs) makes no sense just hit him with it again why are you why, why aren't they all just jumping him if Raven's fine with people being in the ring, why aren't they all just like putting the boots to him? It's it's Raven's rules. There's no it's no DQ. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense. I don't know if you guys notice, uh, Lodi's still in the crowd though because Lodi got injured. Yep, oh. uh, old psychosis. He's gonna be out for a couple months. Poor Lodi. Oh man. Oh. Oh. Yeah, he was kind of getting. I didn't. I only kind of like Kidman and Saturn out of the flock, but I think Lodi was his weird signing was getting a little over. Mm. He's kind of like. <laughs> Lower card shit heel. He's the guy that just like always loses that everybody loves seeing get the you know just crap shit kicked out of him. him. Yeah, yeah. But the the other members I do not, I don't like Hammer. Or, they don't look like they no. Don't yeah, like they're Hammer all they're all terrible. They're all terrible. Kidman's clearly the only star out of the group. K- Kidman is clearly the only one that looks like he does heroin. Yeah. <laughs> when, that, when that's insinuated, <laughs> and as, as pro- proper branding too, naming his finisher the seven year itch. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Page blasts a stop sign into Raven's face. DDP fights off the whole flock, including a very sweet diamond cutter on Kidman. Kidman's like on his back and uh, trying to choke him out. And DDP just like throws him out of it and diamond cutters him midair. Kudos to both of them. Looked excellent. A new flock member hits DDP from behind with the stop sign after all the kerfuffle. And this allows Raven to hit the even flow DDT for the win. And the new member also looks like he's never... Listen to a Nirvana song or done heroin. What a shame. Thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, I very much enjoyed the match until... Uh, have we have we said his name? We haven't. We're not given the name on the pay-per-view, but we'll reveal who it is since you guys aren't uh, mightn't be following the Nitros with us. It's Horace is the, uh, the character's name, and it, of course, actually played by Horace Hogan, 
Hulk Hogan's real life nephew, right? That's not just kayfabe. Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, as far as I know, actual nephew. The least wrestling looking gentleman I've ever seen take to a ring. Just looks like a random fan that's walked into the ring. And I, I brought up that the, the fans were attacking Raven. The crowd's probably just confused at this point. Like, is this like an actual fan going into the business for themselves? Like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, obviously not. But still, like, it was a very just anticlimactic ending to like a decent match. Like, do we really need this? Do we need the WCW is like, we need to make shock value. We need turns. We need members to the, our stables. And come on, we, we don't need another member in the flock. Really? It's, the ending ruined it to me. Just just confusing. Yeah, 100%. I think they hinted at the start of the match that Raven had said something about a new member, but it hadn't been revealed. So they also spoiled it before it happened. Very good booking. Very intelligent booking. The guy, again, I know I harp on about this, does not look like he's in a grungy cult. Like he was just like wearing a hoodie or whatever. Well, he's he's wearing the the road crew gear to blend in. Oh, I'm sorry. Trying, that is true. Is he did have the road that's fair. That's fair. I'm po- I, I did because they do. Part. They do say that a bunch of times. They're like, "Oh, I thought that was just a grip." Yeah, it's, yeah. They use an industry term. Oh, that's a grip. Like, yeah, nobody's gonna know what a grip yeah, is. Anyone knows what a grip is? Yeah, yeah. He just doesn't. It's a bit like Hammer or Reese. At least kind of looks like he's in the flock. But they all should look like Kidman and Sick Boy. Like they should all look like those degenerates that would flock to a cult leader. And they don't. They look like random. Well, Hammer looks like a random wrestler. Horace looks like Hulk Hogan's nephew that needs a job. I don't know. The the overall match doesn't do anything for me. It, it it's just sanitized ECW and mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to watch that. If I want to watch that, I'll just watch ECW. <laughs> I, I, um, I I guess I'm fine with it just because uh you know, I like to have one garbage match on on the card and I just think the other matches shouldn't be no DQ really. Yeah, I, that, I thought this match could have been like your loan. That's like another big problem with it. They're like I know the the last one probably wasn't no dq but it has the weird stipulation so it feels like it's no dq and then obviously the main event is the the main event really doesn't need to be so yeah it just loses importance over what's going on but it's also just the the whole structure of the match is exactly the same as every other ddp no dq match which is wrestle in the ring for a little while fall out walk all the way down to the to the rampway use whatever stupid props are there usually put somebody through a table, walk back to the ring, continue match and end match in, in ring. I will give it that. I think I'm closer to Connor than I am Gus with my enjoyment of the match, but that's because that's I like the two guys in the match. So it would be very hard. They'd have to have a bad match, like a proper bad match for me not to enjoy it. But this is sanitized ECW, and it happens so much over the next like three, four-year gap between WWF and WCW because they know there's a niche there, and they know there's a good fan base that they could tap into like the 18 to 32 male demographic that was watching kind of ECW, but instead of committing to it in any way or having some innovative matches, this isn't only the DDP match. This is every hardcore match that WCW have. Like Gus is right. This is all the DDP brawls. This is just him and macho match again and again and again. But also, this is the one the Nasty Boys had, and this is what the Public Enemy did, and this and is the Kevin Sullivan match, and this yeah. is what Kevin Sullivan. They are they're all the same. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we sync them up together, and they all leave the <laughs> ring and do their nonsense at the same time. It's yeah. by numbers, it's boring, and the reason ECW is fun. There's a lot of stuff, by the way. I, as much as I'm an ECW fan, that wasn't fun. I think it's a very hit and miss show. But it they try new things like every week. 
Every week there was a new stupid spot, and it wasn't the same as last week's stupid spot. And there was different weapons, and they let the fans hand them weapons, and there was more tables, and people did stupid shit like put Bam Bam Big Girl to a ring when there was another match to still go on the night. It was it was fun because it was different. But yeah, this is the sixth or seventh time we've seen this exact paint by numbers match on the. Like, show. there's also to be fair, they have restrictions and constraints. Like, yeah. They have it's their quite sponsors, clear yeah. that they're sponsors or whatever, and definitely when they're on TV, they're not supposed to have blood and aren't supposed to have that. Yeah, which is something that WWF was able to take advantage of. But WWF were actually able to progress it a little bit more and make it more like can't miss TV when they're having like the brawls that go through the stadium and shows somewhere different or like I remember watching the Al Snow Hardcore Holly match, which ends up in the river. Hell great, yeah. That's yeah. that's great really match. cool. That's a great way of doing it. it. Is it a great match? It probably isn't if you look back at it. But they at least tried that, yeah. something different. Probably still the exact same structure when you think about it. But because they're able to change the the areas in which they're going and there's just not enough thinking behind this. This, this is guys being lazy and just kind of being, yeah, this, this has worked before, so let's just do it. I have a, a little bit of a tangent but I, I don't let them off the hook for being like this like PG-13 show because that's what they are. And that's why a lot of it is paint by numbers. Because a lot of like good shows of any genre, not only in wrestling, that have restrictions usually work the restrictions to their advantage. They become more creative. Like you said, like that hardcore match with Hardcore Holly is super tame. But they put levels on it. And Al Snow especially puts a lot of levels on it that people haven't seen before. So this like this should have bred creativity. There's a story of everyone loves the Batman animated series, right? It's famous, the one from like the the nineties, and a lot of the writers tell stories where like they were super handcuffed by censorship, like they couldn't show any violence. And Batman's a super inherently violent show, but they made things work for them that became way more visually stunning and violent than it ever was if you just showed someone get punched because they had to think outside the box. And WCW, like us, is saying, isn't thinking outside the box. They're like, well, we're making tons and tons of money and we've done this five times before. I think the fans will love it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that at least Bischoff, but like, yeah, in, in general, the narratives that, that they complained like, oh, we couldn't be as raunchy as WWF was. So we were like handicapped in that way. But like thinking back when I was watching W, like the both companies, it was like, Oh man, I like WWF so much more because it's more raunchy. It's like that's it wasn't really the case, I think. So yeah, I, th- I think it was just a lame excuse to have. And looking back, they definitely had the advantage with like with the roster and their Japanese talent, their lucha talent. So like they they definitely could have went in different ways. It just slowly they became like, like a knockoff company that's light, like an ECW light or WWF light. Their hardcore matches when they bring the hardcore title into it, they're such a joke. It's it's embarrassing yeah, it's- what it becomes. I think a good comparison is around this time frame or a bit later is the New Age Outlaws against uh, Mick Foley and Terry Funk. And yeah, those that ma- like just happened, yeah. That's already yeah, happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a perfect example. So those matches are only violent because the older guys take serious bumps. But even if you take the serious bumps out of it, there's a lot of innovation in the kind of garbage match. Like no pun intended, because they use obviously the gar the the garbage. Yeah. Truck. Dave, we'll be we'll be covering the ultimate <laughs> death defying match in King of the Ring, the That's Hell in Cell match. So we'll yeah. definitely talk about it. Yeah, and there's just that kind of stuff where I, I know Mick obviously was very like into these kind of things, and they got the talent like Mick and Al Snow who were huge into these type of matches and being creative in that way. But 
it feels like WCW at a point with some of this stuff where like, as you said, we're making we're making enough money. We're making money hand over fish uh, fist. We don't have to push it out. Where WWE were like, fuck, what do we do? We oh we need to get this like young demographic back that ECW had. How do we do that? Well, let's hire some of the ECW guys and see what they have to have to do, you know? Yeah. But m- moving on, like it's the right booking. DDP, yeah. even though he loses, he lost because all the goons you just couldn't handle him. Yeah. So he's still he's still over. Doesn't have to drop the title to Goldberg. So you don't have doesn't to have to drop yeah, doesn't it? So we, we can still have that feud down the line, which they do. And yeah. then Raven, he's again, I think he's the best heel, so he deserves a belt, and that, that gives the perfect opponent for Goldberg. So I I, I think this was actually the, the, the most logical booking. It gives DDP a chance to move up, move up the card. Takes too long in my in my opinion, but uh that's eventually what happens. Yeah, I don't think Raven is going to be affected by losses either. He's not the type of heel that needs to win a bunch. Right. So if he eats shit against Goldberg next week, which is, I assume, what happens. I haven't seen the match before. It's not <laughs> even uh, next It's not even next week. <laughs> it's, tomorrow, it's the it's day after. It's only the next day. <laughs> yeah. So if he gets his one-day championship reign, that's fine. It just makes Goldberg look great because he rips through a cult leader and a bunch of his cronies. And Raven isn't a character about winning anyway. So I, I think Raven can take the loss to the big guy where DDP would look kind of bad if he just got trounced by Goldberg and it'll take a bit of the sh- shine off him. So the, the booking is absolutely correct. Just uh, a little disappointed in the innovation. Yeah. Bef- before we move on as well, the the one thing that it still bothers me, and I guess it's just like a real ingrained in, in my sense, is that he doesn't have music. And so when yeah. he won... The crowd kind of seemed confused for a little while because they probably weren't exactly sure who'd won. Yeah. And so there's just this kind of non-reaction to what's gone on. There's no outrage. There's no cheers or whatever. It's just kind of there. It just bothers me when people don't have rest, like intro music. Mm-hmm. Like it, yep. it's a specific Pavlovian style response thing built into wrestling. You got to have some, even like right the sensor with their noise. like something that alerts fans that it's happened on to our main event though and rightfully main event not like our bullshit main event from last episode no we have sting versus the macho man on paper guys obviously a dream match these two i think would have very cool styles together i'm sure if i looked hard enough there are matches when they fight when they're a bit younger but on paper a match i'm really looking forward to in reality maybe a bit of an overhill macho man and a bit of an under motivated sting. But I have been looking forward to this match. How about you guys? Uh, as far as like the booking uh, mildly, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously two huge stars. So in that case, sure. And as long as it's not Hogan, that's usually what we ask for. And this is what we got. So yeah, yeah uh, I guess it would give me a thumbs up of interested. Yeah. It's relatively fresh when you think about it. So can't complain too much considering how many like, reruns of main events we've had already so yeah i was so disappointed when they're running hogan macho matches so it's nice to see the older guys put over some of the guys they probably haven't worked with that much in in reality i don't like when macho and hogan are in the nwo and they're fighting directly i like this subtle kind of like well if i have the title who has all the power i kind of do like that aspect of the storyline which doesn't make much sense. Currently, Hogan doesn't have the title and has all the power. But let's not let's not make yeah, let's, yeah, let's not pick up that. <laughs> Buffer does a very good job of putting both men over, though. Huge main event and makes it feel like a huge occasion. Though I do find his when he's introducing guys as they walk out, it's a bit jarring because you usually don't hear someone talking over their music. 
that and he repeats that it's a no DQ match. So it's like, yeah, yeah I, we know somebody's going to interfere. We got it. <laughs> we also, got also the cheap pop as well. I was very disappointed in Buffer. He was like, the home of the Denver Broncos. I'm like, yeah, they won the <laughs> Super Bowl. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think is going to win? The Denver Broncos. Uh, well, so you don't need to do that. You're, yeah, you're above this. Cheapy, cheapy, brother. <laughs> get any heat you can get. Macho's out first with a strapped up arm, which I kind of didn't notice at first was his like injured arm. It just kind of looks good with his gear. Kind of that long sleeve strap up. Out with Elizabeth being... Uh, Kind of being less animated, not not as Macho Madness as before. But Macho wastes no time the minute Sting hits the ring, and he takes his time. Proper Undertaker walk out to the ring. Macho's all over Sting, and uh, I like his selling early on in the match. Every time he hits with his fist, this goes away pretty fast, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. But, I was so mad. But every time he hits Sting with his fist, he's like, basically, fuck, oh, my hand. But he just keeps hitting him, which I think is a good, cool character trait for Macho. But after the first, like, four or five times he does it, he just drops it for the rest of the show. Just like the last match, both men are just thrown around ringside, and they just throw all the crap at each other. And I, I have to agree with Gus. I think one of the reasons I don't like the Raven matches as much is at the end of the Raven match, I enjoyed it. But because it leads into this, I'm just sick of both matches together as one one unit, you know? But they bring the hay into this match, though, <laughs> yeah. which makes it infinitely better as and commentary s- try to put the hay over. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's so scratchy. It can get in your eyes. This is my favorite line. This yeah, was what good. I was referencing to do with the mile high at- altitude. Mm-hmm. The bale of hay, very abrasive. The dangers that you can have in inhaling it at such an altitude. Come on, Tony. Could knock a man down, what is what he said. The- fuck are you on about <laughs> this is such bullshit like i don't care like we know it's bales of hay who cares like <laughs> a, a bale of hay would hurt if someone brained me with an entire bale of hay that would fucking Come hurt on. you know i don't need to get told it's, that. It, yeah it, no it's just the fact that like we're supposed to you know a lot of the other things they make noise they snap they do this they're like oh here's the big spot here comes the hay tit oh. Yeah. Just, what's really like, funny oh, it's about all it over me ew is sting lifts it over his head and you can see the immediate regret because it just crumples all crumples. over <laughs> and it's just all over his hair and his jacket and you can kind of see him he might as well do a big sigh like and then he just hits her on <laughs> they're just both full of hay and like they're probably cleaning that out for weeks it's just so stupid <laughs> this this was the other point of the match as well dave where i don't know if these are a thing in america or not but every time they said wagon wheel I went to the suite or the, like, Oh yeah. We have like biscuits, like cookies biscuit that are called wagon wheels, called wagon wheels. Yeah. No clue, man. This, yeah. this, I need to go to Europe more often, man. <laughs> well, maybe you guys have it. So it's like two pieces of basic biscuit or cookie in between it is some jam or no. What do you guys call jam? Jelly. Yeah. Jam. Jelly. Jam. jam, jam. Yeah. So jelly with marshmallow and then it's like covered in chocolate. Mm, no this doesn't sound familiar i'll, I'll have to oh, okay. ask the the, the fat and nation so they've, here they've randomly just decided to call it a wagon wheel i, I yeah. don't know how they got to that branding it's, uh, but <laughs> it's, it's very spring stampede so I don't yeah. yeah but uh yeah that that's that, i didn't even think that because that's, that's pretty funny yeah the, nothing much happens in this match is what i've written as my next note they do they brawl back to the ring and there's nothing of relevance until a ref bump the ref tries to avoid, uh, Randy's in the corner and he pulls the ref in as uh, Sting goes for a stinger splash. Sting stops, but then Savage just pushes him into the ref anyway and the ref's unconscious. 
I was happy. I'm like, oh, finally Sting learned not to Stinger Splash the ref. Finally. Nah. The ref looked terrified. Like Stinger Sting comes down with some impact on his splash. Like he's not a light guy. And he just full on hits people with it. It's very funny to watch once you've like seen it once. He does not hold back. So I, I bet the Stinger Splash hurts. Charles Robinson <laughs> with a grade A performance for acting. Yeah. Uh, for the yeah. rest of this match. <laughs> Actual dead for the rest of the match. Sting uh, no sells a pile driver, but Elizabeth hits Sting with the wrong end of the chair. How many years has she been in the industry, guys? And she has the chair the right way, with you know holding the the what do you call them the paws the foot the f- uh, feet of the chair, and then she like flips the it the other way around. I think that's what you call the the bottom of the chairs or the really? paws. I think okay. so. I'm not, I'm not sure. I it's don't think so. The, yeah, we we'll call them the feet. And then yeah, that's she, better. Yeah, and she like turns it upside down so the feet are pointing out, and hits Sting with it. That looks like it hurts loads. Just hits him with the feet of the chair, and he obviously no sells it and turns around. And Elizabeth runs out of the way. He goes for another stinger splash on Savage, but just hits all of it on Elizabeth. Like crushes the poor woman to death. He does not. <laughs> he he just completely stiffs her with it. Am I being am I being a bit too over the top with this? It looks like she got murdered. I think he's very good at being effective, showing off that spot. I think she's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think she he weighs like three times what he does. She's also not very good at taking moves. Like she doesn't. Again, she's, she's been in the industry she has so no long. Business. Yeah, she has no yeah. business in the spot. It's yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. She, she doesn't cover herself at all, or she doesn't like lean back her head with him, so it's just hitting her back in the turnbuckle. I'm, I'm honestly not sure up. why it was necessary. No, no it's not. Like, like she's <laughs> never involved in any storyline. Anyway, yeah. it's just it's just like the random match. Like, see, oh, we need a distraction, but, but again, it's no. DQ, but I don't. So. I don't understand how they need a distraction. The ref is out. No, like, they don't. Like, <laughs> it's also no DQ. That's not TQ. Why does that need to be out? Yeah. Elizabeth could have just been swinging chairs the wrong way around the entire time and there's nothing the ref could have done about it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get the image of her having the chair the right way up and going, oh, actually, I don't think this is right. And turning striking. it around. It. Striking with the paws. Yeah. Striking with the paws. <laughs> this gives Savage the chance to get set up an elbow drop with the steel chair under Sting, which... I know it makes for less of a visual, but makes makes way more sense to me. Why would you like everyone puts like steel chairs over people to jump on them? But wouldn't that just hurt loads? Like if you landed on it. Anyway, but Hogan runs down and dumps Macho off the top. Macho starts selling his uh, knee when he lands very bad. Hogan looks so pleased by this as well. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> so- great uh, <laughs> pantomime villain cackle as well. He's yeah. like, ha, 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 ha. But he could he could like hit the ring and just like leg drop macho if he wanted but he's like this tiny push will settle it <laughs> no one's ever gonna catch it. it's no dq just do what you want <laughs> the stinger versus a suplex attempt into a scorpion death drop but can't make the pin nash comes down and hits a jackknife on sting to help macho beat him Again, Sting doing very little in a match has no real agency over his wins and losses. Kev kind of looks very cool at the end here, and he revives the ref by like roughing him up a little, like he just picking picks up, him up one yeah, hand, yeah, yeah, and just like drops him. This was a tough watch. I don't know about you guys. What did you think? Well, I have to say the 
both guys were hurt. So I'm actually oh, surprised they okay they went through this. They were they were thinking of just not having the match. I think that was why he got run over because they weren't sure if he was going to be able to actually wrestle. But um, he has he has a lot of problems with his ACL. He does wrestle a little bit more. I think we'll still see him. But in about two months, he has he has surgery on his ACL. Is, is this the surgery while. from him blowing up his knees from that cage spot? When he jumps Maybe. off like the 50 foot cage. No, I, th- I think it, it comes from another. It's, it's like a dark match on Saturday night or something like that. Again, okay. like this is a lot of different information that I've read about. I think on Wikipedia says one thing. The dirt, dirt sheets say another thing. So okay. I'm actually not sure. But regardless, he is injured. He does get surgery in like June and is out for like six months and then, you know, comes back with a new gimmick. That's a sh- that's a shame, but yeah, it makes sense that they're both hurt. The brawly started a match to basically no moves in the finish and no real agency from either guy. Elizabeth eating a stinger splash instead of him. It's all smoke and mirrors. One hundred percent. What's wrong with Sting? Do we know what the Sting injury is? I don't remember. Again, that that was another thing that was like is very briefly mentioned in the, the dirt sheet. So again, I'm not sure if that's true, but it, it seems to make sense because there's just yeah, this match was just yeah. He, he, he doesn't do a lot in the match, so it makes sense. Yeah, you'd think it would have been way better considering the, the talent in the ring. So it's, it's just something seemed off for sure. The the highlight of the match for me comes after the match when Hogan and Disciple come uh, come out to gawk at the, the horror that Nash has inflicted on the NWO. And uh, I think you guys can listen to the, the wordsmith that is the Disciple. What's going on? Hogan says it's my belt. It's coming back. It's going on. Tomorrow night. On Nitro, there'll be a new world champion, Savage. And go by the world of the US title. Yeah, just a man that's been wrestling for probably a decade at this stage and literally doesn't know what to say. The the funniest is he's just staring at Hogan the entire time while saying these things, being like, it's... Is this, am I doing it correct? Is this an NWO? Am I doing an NWO? Yeah, he's just, he's used to the WWF cameras that usually don't have the audio in them. But for some reason, WCW like ramp cameras always have the audio live as well. So it's just, I think I brought that up before. Like, is it really necessary to have that camera audio go into the feed? Like it's never constructive. Like it's always bad. They're, They're not used to it. Hogan's got used to it. He jaws up there a lot. But Hogan's jawing makes sense. So some wrestlers just kind of say nonsense when they're right. shouting at their opponents. But Hogan's usually actually saying stuff that makes sense in the storyline. Like, yeah, you, you I'm going to get my hands on you and just around the That's monsters. my belt, yeah. Yeah, he just says buzz stuff. Austin is actually one for that. Austin just curses, you know, when he does his head nod and he's like talking. Apparently, he's just cursing at his opponent the entire time. He's told people mm, okay. that, that before like, he is just bad man. And he's like, I'm the baddest motherfucker. I'm going to do this and that, you know. But yeah, some people like Disciple here just say buzzwords that make it look like he's saying things. Kevin Nash. Yeah, that's 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 Kevin Nash, buddy. Well done. This match is, as you said, now that I know it's two injured guys, I'm going to be a bit lighter on it, but still didn't enjoy it. I hate the note, like, it's no DQ, but we'll still have our F-bump thing. What did you guys think of the match? Am I being a bit harsh on it? What are your final thoughts? Probably not. It's just a storyline match, I think. It felt like a Nitro match. Storyline, cool, makes sense. I it moves the plot on, but like nothing to write home about. Great job by the WCW, a year and I don't know four months, and that's what they did with Sting. 
Yeah, yeah. Like they rehabilitated him a little bit this month. He definitely had. I mean, he had that good match with DDP, but I, I guess maybe the injury was just like let's get it off him. Yeah. So it's just he didn't really do much. I mean, no, it wasn't the best the title whole, run. Yeah, the whole fuck up over the the match, whatever the true story about that is, and so they have to vacate the title and then he has to win the title again. And I'm really down on Sting because the booking is definitely bad, and that is not his fault. But he also hasn't been good in these matches either. So the gimmick is cool, and the gimmick is an all-time cool gimmick as a concept. And when you tell people it took a year for him to arrive, and he was doing this stuff in the rafters, and I think us Western audiences especially are so used to not having these long-term storylines that when one is done in a decent capacity, we get really excited. But overall, I think this is a failure. I think the Sting run is bad. And I didn't think that going into this. I thought it was going to be really good. And it's I, I don't care about Sting. I went from caring about Sting a ton to literally hoping he isn't in the main event anymore so someone like DDP can step up. You're not alone. Yeah. I, I think they've killed every single babyface they've had in the last two years. Yeah, they they really have. And, and most of them are on this card. Like Luger <laughs> is there. Giant yeah. is there. I think it's arguable that they've already missed the boat on DDP, but fair enough he may not have gotten a shot yet but sting is there and that's every i think every world title challenger who has been like a strict baby face at one piper point or is the only one that's kept strong at all but that's again because they're yeah, paying him so like much a complete he idiot uh, <laughs> so. yeah yeah but even even his like his reactions compared to like starcade 96 it's that's like true, night, yeah. night and day difference yeah yeah, it is a real issue, and that we talked about it before, and I didn't know it developed so fast. If if they're not giving the open comers a chance, like who do the NWO fight in a half a year, a year? And the answer themselves. is themselves. Yeah, themselves. <laughs> like we'll make some of the NWO guys technically faces because they're too cool to be heels, and hope that works. Overall thoughts on the pay per view, guys. We've we've had some negatives to f- uh, to finish it off, but did you like it overall, Gus? What are your thoughts, and whose side are you on? I mean, it started great, as most WCW pay-per-views seem to, where they have like a couple of really good matches and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's going well. And you're like, oh, there's always something in the middle that is just utter garbage that like completely kills my uh, motivation and interest. And then usually the end of it is pretty bad wrestling, but has a storyline. So it kind of leaves me going, well, maybe it'll be better next time. And it never is, <laughs> uh, realistically. So... This is definitely not the worst pay-per-view I've ever watched. Despite the fact that a lot of storyline has happened in it, I don't know if it's going to be very memorable. And there was a lot of fine wrestling, but there was nothing that was like, oh my God, you should definitely see this match. I I am sure it will show a lot of changes within the next month or two, largely because of I know a little bit of what happens the next night. I, I actually, I think genuinely the, the match I enjoyed the most was Goldberg's, just because of how exciting it was and how energized and they were actually nailing him as a character and as a centerpiece for what was going to come now whether they had figured that out from months ago or they had stumbled into it that's up for debate that's Um, the question yeah yeah but at the end of the day i mean the only person i can be on on board with is the self-proclaimed big sexy because he has managed to maneuver himself into the picture where he always feels like he should be, which is in the main event. And he's probably going to be all over the shop now as the cool face. So uh, I'm, I'm on the side of big Kevin Nash and what he's going to do in the next couple of months. 
How about you, Connor? Overall, I think it was a decent show. I think I'm a little higher than than Gus is. You are right that it doesn't really have any standout matches. Chavo and Ultimo, I thought it was like a pretty good match. They had the Goldberg match, so I was good. Uh, the bad matches, it was nothing like embarrassing. So I'm, I'm like, eh, whatever. So a lot of fine matches. I think more importantly, though, there was story and build to pretty much every match on the card. And we can't say that about like a lot of the previous shows that we've watched. And to be honest, like I was looking forward to firing up Nitro after watching this. So I think this was a sh- successful show, ultimately. As far as who aside I'm on, yeah, the, the, Nash might sweep it here. This I'm going with the Wolfpack and I don't know, Nash shooting on Hogan and vouching for my boy X-Pac. And this might be the first time I think I've been on Nash's side. And uh, although it might be the only time knowing what happens at the end of our timeline. I, I can definitely feel sympathy for Nash. Like the, the, it's a guy that I've probably called lazy and a bit unfairly criticized at times but i can imagine how frustrating this is he's he's technically still a young gun here and he helped create this comp make this company big and he doesn't feel like he's getting a fair shake like having to watch something you built get kind of taken down by macho and hogan feuds you must be rolling your eyes when they're like well what's our next story like well what if macho and hogan i'm like oh my god so i'm feeling for him and i'm feeling for his friend getting hired again a guy that got this whole concept over and there's there's rumors at the time as well that I, I saw recently Xbox go over, but he says they're not confirmed. He never knows that Bischoff did it to flex power to kind of show that he was in charge. That yeah. <laughs> that six was disp- uh, disposable, which is a real effed up concept. But I'm on someone else's side after this pay per view. I have mixed feelings about the pay per view. It started off well, had me excited, but really lost me near the end and was a slog the second half. But I'm a uh, I'm on Los Guerrero's. Uh, side for this and Chavo's quest Ooh. to get uh sorry Eddie's quest to get Chavo over is the purest thing happening in his company at the moment and that's us for another episode of the WCW versus NW podcast please don't forget to follow us on social media you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast where else can they find us Connor patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast you can find our nitro flashback episodes on there if you can donate one dollar you can get all the episodes it's been a lot of fun doing those i can't wait to do more of them and speaking of nitro i'm sorry dave i'm gonna have to hijack the podcast i think our next episode has to be the nitro following this pay-per-view since dave does not know the match raven versus goldberg you need to watch it there's a lot of other things that happen in this nitro i think it needs to happen fantastic can't wait From me, Connor, and Gus, we'll see you next time when uh, Goldberg goes streaking.